and welcome to How to Waste Your Time, the show where we know your time on Earth is limited and you only have very little to waste here, so we want you to spend it wisely. I am your host as always, Holden Hens, here with co-host as per usual, D-Rai, Darian Equipado. Have you had your daily dose of existential dread yet? Um, if you haven't, uh, your life is dwindling down at a rapid speed. True, true. Yeah, and we're here to look out for you. We We know that... People only have so much time to waste. Sometimes they waste too much of it. So we're here to help you spend your time as wisely as possible so that you can actively choose to waste your time. Because that's that was the whole idea behind this podcast. So I wanted people to actively choose to waste their time better. And so through our experiences and through our um, su- successes and our failures, maybe you can choose to waste your time a little bit better than us or as well as us. You, who knows? Maybe even uh, you can be better than us and re- and recommend something fire. Hell yeah, which leads us to our next point. We didn't get any emails this week, so there will be no uh, timetable. Um, so nobody's going to be talking to us. But we do have a little bit of a timetable update. Um, Jared McBride, great friend of the show, uh, was the one who sent in an email about Dark, uh, which is a Netflix TV show, which Darian was able to watch, what, eight episodes of? I spent eight hours of my time to watch the show. What a good co-host. Yeah, how much did you watch? I spent zero hours of my time. It was a very busy month for me. Um, we'll get into that in the music section, but it is what it is. At the end of the show? The music at, session at the end yeah, of the show? Yeah, that's a little hook for all of you at home being like, oh, I wasn't going to listen to the music section before, but now maybe I will because there's a big announcement coming in the music section. So uh, watch out for that one. Um, so what I can say about Dark, I don't even know if I want to give Dark a rating right now. Maybe nah, you're not far enough in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 there would just be no point in rating eight episodes of it, considering there's 26. But overall thoughts with German Stranger Things? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. I think it, it does a lot more adult things than Stranger Things does, like uh, dead bodies like dead human bodies mm. rather than like weird slow-mos of uh rudy not running from the demogorgon dogs rudy rudy is that that's where they chant rudy right rudy rudy demogorgon dogs no speaking of dark though it, it is it's quite interesting show it has a lot more um and and it has it's it's based around uh I guess this nuclear plant that's uh has a a a, a portal to a different time zone, nineteen eighty six. Uh yeah, I, I watched the first episode, I liked it. So I, I again it's gotta you gotta carve time. I, like I, that. I have to be really honest, I don't think the show started cooking until episode six. Mm. Like it it actually didn't get started on um, like the characters didn't get started doing anything real to affect the story until episode six. I think the real difficulty of it is there's a few characters that obviously span from the 1986 storyline to the current day storyline, and you have to introduce them both. You have to kind of like give an introductory to both time periods of that character. I can't get this out of my head. I think Demigorgons would be a great sports team name. Like the Dallas Demigorgons. Oh, yeah. No, that, for sure. That would be fantastic. Like I I can see it on the helmet now. Just like the open face. Where's Where's Stranger Things set? 
um it's got to be somewhere in the east like it's midwest or east like it's got to be like chicago type like it's got it gives me those kind of vibes yeah if if the if one of the high schools in that area don't adopt demogorgons as their mascot it's it's such a waste it's it's an absolute waste oh i'm stupid hawkins indiana they've say they say it like hawkins, 10 times indiana yeah i felt dumb now i've got like a shirt that says like hawkins like um pe mm-hmm. you know shout mm-hmm. out Shout out to the, my form, um, former bowl years that I spent uh, in Hawkins High. Um, no, but yeah, that sounds great. I Again, sorry to Jared. Um, we're just going to give a little uh, bite-sized um, reviews sprinkled throughout these next coming months. But yeah, we'll, it, we'll get it done. I will say probably one of my favorite parts of the show was um, there's a dead child wearing uh, 1986 uh, Bread Jordan ones. Nice. Iconic. Yeah, so his dead body ended up in the modern timeline, and I don't, I don't think the dead child knew that the shoes he, were wearing, he was wearing literally went up in almost, you know, 600% in price. I'm sure it's like 6,000%. 6,000%? Cause, cause yeah. Those, those original, like... They're, they're youth size, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll, 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 well see. I mean, what still, do you think the actually... value is for that now? Like, what... I mean, because I've seen some, like, of those 1985s, like, originals that are, like... You know, over hundred thousand. Yeah, they're like priceless at this point. Yeah. So the youth, youth, um, worn, but they weren't in terrible condition by far. I've seen way worse nineteen eighty sixes or nineteen eighty fives. They were in decent condition. Muddy, a little bit, a little bit of trekking yeah. around in the dirt. Yeah, he walked around in the woods. We can clean that. Yeah, absolutely, it could be cleaned up. It had like the nice yellowing, and you know, all the all, from what I saw, all the leather was intact. It was, he died of a head injury, so very far from the feet. Any hmm. damage to the feet, so maybe a little blood reach. You think? No, there, it no. wasn't a very bloody murder. Maybe like bludgeoning. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I wonder if they're thinking about profit there in the future. They're like, hmm, this could be lucrative. Maybe it's like back to the back to the future, where it's like you can make bets on you. You open up the sports book and make bets. Like it's got to be a lucrative. Like if you use the 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 hole for for your own um, values, you know. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing I just uh, ended off on the uh, the time travel specific story that they're kind of going for the theme. I've only seen it uh, represented in Futurama and Back to the Future, where there's an actual conflict of someone going back in time, and they are now their they they now see their parents or. That's cool. I do like that. That that's, interaction. That's, level, that's yeah. like the best part of Back to the Future. Yeah. And it's... I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. Too bad it didn't start until like episode seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get around. We'll get around completing it. You're on my mind. You're on my mind. That's uh, a little uh, solo. <clears throat> um, with, with that uh, beautiful belting of the golden pipes... Uh, I think we're I think we're ready to start the show, man. Dude, let's hear that uh, first audio tie-in. Did you hear it? Talking to you, Dry. That's right. I'm gonna be talking about a musical this month. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Just uh, kidding. I didn't waste my time that bad. Yeah, that was that would be really time wasted. Um, I'm going to be talking about a movie that is either off your radar completely, 
or um, you're woke. That's it. Um, it's gonna be a movie called Pig. Pig. And you heard, heard Pig? Did I talk to you about Pig yet? Have I said anything about? Has, do the three letters P I G mean anything to you other than when I dunk on you in basketball? I don't know. I don't know how that. I've never seen you dunk ever, ever. Maybe there's no way you're dunking on regulation, but uh, yeah, Pig is a farm animal to me. I'm undefeated, never lost. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Yeah. Pig is a farm animal. You're right. And there is the pig farm animal in this. This movie is about a truffle hunting pig, um, owned by one. I don't know. He's a small time actor. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, Nicholas. Uh, what's his? Cage. Yes. So Nicholas Cage. Uh, he owns a truffle hunting pig, and he gets it taken from him, and it's basically John Wick, but. Is it really Nicolas Cage? It really is Nicolas Cage. You didn't know Nicolas Cage's name? <laughs> That's funny. He is a he. In my head, he's one of the biggest actors I've ever seen. But I I do know he's not that great of an actor, and he's total C list. Whoosh. Anyways, yes, Nicolas Cage. He's a great actor. I love him. Um, but in this movie, he plays a, uh, I mean, at this stage of his life, he only has to play washed up men, but he plays a washed up, um, chef. And that's why he's truffle hunting pig. He has a truffle hunting pig because mm. it's hunting for truffles. Right. He doesn't want to buy his own truffles. Right. They're and expensive. He, and he lives in the wilderness of Portland, Oregon. So that's, oh, nice. we'll nice, start with nice, that nice. as the background of why I love this movie is because I was born in Portland. That's my hometown. I got a lot of love and connection to it. And this movie is a total love letter to Portland because it's it's John Wick meets Ratatouille because he's got to go rescue his pig, right? Because his pig gets taken and he's got to go rescue it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I didn't like what you just said. I like that metaphor. John Wick and Ratatouille sounds sick. How many meals does he actually cook in the in the show? And how many asses does he kick? I'm not going to spoil either one of those because those mm. are major spoilers. Mm. On, on both, both ends, there's a major mm. spoilers. But you will not leave disappointed. You had my attention, but now you have my, I don't know the line. Heartthrob? Heartthrobbing? It's, it's Django. It's long. It's a, that's, a, that's a long reference. Um, if you ask my wife, is this movie John Wick meets Ratatouille? She would say absolutely not. But that is her own opinion, and she's entitled to that. She can take that to the grave. She absolutely can. And she, she can take her rating to the grave, which I thought was... Uh, almost like spitting in Mr. Cage's face, but that's okay. That may or may not happen in the movie. Who knows? Um, I, I love the movie because they have to go back into the city. To, they have to go into Portland. They talk about his history there. They go over like people, his connections, he, he knows. And the movie um, climaxes in a place that I just did not think it would go. It also stars um, Alex Wolf. Talk about people we don't know off the top of our head. Alex Wolf, have you ever seen Hereditary? Yeah. He plays the son in Hereditary. He plays the guy transformed into a god. Holy spoilers. What the hell? What if our uh, fans If you haven't watch? seen Hereditary, eat a shoe, dude. Bro, it's like a 2018 movie. What do you mean? You're acting like it's like 1945 and Yeah, it was a really popular movie. Yeah, if you don't Yeah, if you don't haven't if you've liked horror movies, that's the only reason you would watch Hereditary. And if you haven't watched Hereditary and you like horror movies, that's on you. It's literally your fault. And you literally said last episode, I don't spoil movies. Anyways. I, th- whoosh, bro. Come on. Maybe. Maybe. 
Maybe. I didn't think we were doing callbacks this early. I didn't realize we were already in the callback <laughs> season. We're already here, dude. It's callback season. That's fine. Um, so he's in the movie, and what is if you had to remember what his signature face was from that movie? What would you describe his signature face as? Um, yeah, it's it's when he smashes his head on his desk. But like signature face, like when the camera like slow zooms into his face. Like wants a like a reaction from him, like an emote from him. What what do they zoom in on? Like what's what is like iconic for him just in that movie alone? Um confusion. Yeah, so it's like mouth agape, eyes kind of like semi shock, semi But it's not it's not like mouth wide, it's like just a small natural like, opening. Natural opening. I think that's I think that's him. I think he's going to do that in every movie from now on. Because his character is a 180 from his character in Hereditary. It is so different. He's like this like like rich boy sports kid. And he does it really well. I knew he was a good actor once I saw him in Hereditary. So he does this performance super well. But the mouth agape iconic look, he gives that 10 times in the movie. And it's nice. all warranted. But like that look is why people are hiring him, I believe. And he's also an old, which I, I didn't get to see. But I'll, I'm, I'm going to check him out. And I bet you. It's gonna be ten times on old where he makes that mouth agape signature like blank stare look. Yeah. Um. Recently, this month, the movie The Beach came out, mm. and I've only seen the trailer. But in the trailer, he's doing the same face. He's like, I, I guess the beach is like you know you age while you're on the beach, and he walks out as an adult. I did that on purpose. It's in the trailer, dude. It's in the trailer. How can I, I be spoiling it if it's in the trailer? Because we're talking about the same effing movie, bro. I said old. The name of the movie is old. It's M. Night Shyamalan. No. It's not the beach, bro. What's the beach? The beach is like a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Oh, the- it is the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. <laughs> you know why I thought of the beach? There's a there's a rooftop theater here in Vegas, and they are showing the beach. That's why the beach was in my head. Yeah. Isn't the, isn't the beach the same thing? I don't know. And doesn't Leo DiCaprio go crazy on the beach? What's the beach the, what's, is what's the part of the beach so I can the beach is um, it's uh, Will it's Wilson yeah it's also from the nineties dude what do you mean the beach is from two thousand yeah that's basically the nineties oh my can we just talk about pig bro do it pig was so special the the movie is just as much about um, Alex Wolf's like family. And like his ties to um, this crusty old like hermit that it has um, Nick Cage has become, um, as much as it is actually Nick Cage's movie. Like it is a beautiful, like I said, love letter to Portland about its Portland's kind of culture, about cooking culture, about like what makes a chef. Like it, anybody can cook. Like it is, it's beautiful. And is Wolf second lead? Yeah, for no doubt. Okay. He's he's all nice. over this movie. Nice. And his character like his character development's really strong and like everything he says is really convincing cuz like the moments they show to portray him are so powerful. Like it it never feels like ham-fisted or like over the top cuz his character is like bravado and it is like um like he, he plays a chef like an actual No, he plays like a he's he's the guy who's the truffle dealer. So he's the guy that um Nick Cage is selling these truffles to because he lives mm-hmm. out in the wilderness. He's got to make some kind of profit, or you know, he's he's off the grid basically. He would make a good truffle dealer. Yeah, and he's he does a great job. And like obviously things go wrong. I already spoiled the main synopsis that the pig's gone, but uh, the reclaiming and that whole story and like the reclaiming of of Alex Wolf's character's story and and 
uh, it is super, super special. The climax of the movie, I cannot say enough, is a beautiful, beautiful moment. Like, I literally was tearing up. Like, tears were streaming down my face at how, like, just how bold the movie was. How, like, it it was able to go there and, like, uh, it is it is something really special. And I think Pig is going to be one of those underrated movies that people just for, forget about because they're like, oh, Nick Cage at the end of his career, he's, he's kind of sucks now. Didn't you see the last movie he made? And no, but Pig is I a spectacle. I 100% believe that uh, Nicolas Cage is at the best point of his career right now. Wow. Um, have you seen Mandy? No, but I, I want to. I Mandy knew, I knew is, it was good. Mandy is incredible. His performance is incredible. I would equate Mandy to like any of your uh, big action blockbusters, like Taken. It's it's so much like Taken. And he, I would swear on my life that the that Nicolas Cage gives a better performance than does than Liam Neeson does in Taken Two and Taken Three. Wow. As equal as Liam Neeson in Taken One is Nick Cage in Mandy. Of of the guy trying to get this kidnapped person back in their life, wow. but he but he still does that character like quirky and weird and like Nicolas Cage, and it, it's just such a good movie. Yeah, well, I mean, Pig really impressed me. Like I I I went in thinking, oh, I'll, I'll probably like it because it's about Portland and that's my city and whatnot. But man, it just it blew the roof off. The biggest complaint I'm gonna have is that it some stuff is just kind of hard to believe you know you gotta suspend your disbelief and at some points in the movie um and that's okay like i like i i'm willing to do that but but there's a there's a big plot point that my wife was like oh brothered and i'm like okay i see that but he his dedication to his craft and like how convincing nick cage is i think was able for me to overcome that kind of stuff so just some you know minor plot inconveniences i'm giving it a 86 i think it is a great movie i think on a future rewatch I'm with what I know now. I think it could go as high as like 92. Like that's how much I enjoyed it. I think I was holding back my enjoyment just because of how like you know when you first time watch something you're like I don't know about this. Like oh do I like this or you know the first time yeah it has to run completely through before you can really um, give your full thought before you can process it fully. When I watched Lion King the animated uh, the uh, live action one. Not live action, but the the high def CGI. High def CGI. Once it started, like just its opening moments, I'm like, man, this movie could be like a 90, 95. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, maybe I like Lion King more than I do. As it started, it was like kind of it went in going. I was like, holy hell, this is awful. I don't know what I was I, thinking I in the first seconds. Like everything about this is so bad. I don't know how I ever thought this I was going to be one of my favorite movies of all time because this is just entirely awful. So it's like your expectations get tempered as the movie's going. So I think on rewatch, literally this could go as high as 92. It was, it was very good. And, uh, on approaching masterpiece class. Wonderful dude. Um, moving on for my watch this month, your boy got some popcorn this month. Popcorn. You know, this is one of the movies I wanted to watch in theaters, but it didn't happen. I ended up seeing pig in theaters. So we watched that AMC. It's not going to probably be in theaters anymore. And this movie won't be in theaters anymore either, but you spent some time out of your busy week and saw this movie. Um, go ahead and tell me what it is. The Green Knight. Your wonderful uh, studio, Everyone Loves, A24, um, dropped another one for us. Uh, why, so why was this on your radar? Was it because it's A24? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Pretty much why. Um, I knew visually and through trailers that it's going to 
it's it, it's kind of just a movie that I would be interested in watching and it was my turn to pick a movie to go to the movies and I picked this one it was in there um didn't it didn't even question my mind I was like that's probably what I want to watch yeah so we we, it's scheduled to go see this in theaters and then um I had like tickets for it and or I was gonna approach to get tickets for it and then it was like 30 minutes till showtime and we're still at home and stuff's like we're still seeing this and I was like uh, I didn't. We never said we're not seeing it. Guess not. And she's like, "Well, you should have said something before thirty minutes before showtime." And I'm like, "Well, okay, fine." So we didn't see it. But then later that night, after watching some uh, Ted Lasso, we ended up. Uh, it was on Plex. It's on our Plex service. So we ended up playing it on Plex, and so we watched it at home. Um, I think that's totally fine. I I do wish I got to see it in theaters because there's some like really nice cinematography. Yeah. Uh, that's that's probably the only thing I would say you really missed out on is it just some some scenes being on the big screen was kind of like a a nice uh uh eye gasm I would say. Give the folks at home a brief synopsis because I know how you like to be with these ones you you get all long winded and you go into like the lore and like talk about the author and of some of the thematic themes and then I you wish talk, I could talk about the author on this one dude and then you talk about um how much uh this character mattered to the just give me a brief synopsis about what this the green knight a24 in the year of our lord 2021 what it's about okay let me let me let me let me get into this let me get into this deep this is gonna be a long-winded explanation no uh, nobody's surprised the Green Knight is based off a uh, one of the very earliest forms of poetry in the in the eighteenth century, possibly. I wouldn't be surprised if it was earlier than that. Um, I, I mean, I was going to guess like fourteenth century. Yes, it follows Sir Gawain, Knight of King Arthur, uh-huh. in his travels to become heroic and famous. Uh, King Arthur is challenged by the Green Knight, a mythical creature. Arriving from the scary parts of the forest, challenges uh, Sir Gawain. In the in the challenge that the Green Knight uh, proposes to Sir Gawain is, um, any damage done to me will be done unto you in one year's time. I think I I think I nailed that on this Christmas day. Yeah, on may Christmas thy day. hallowed be. Exactly. Thy blow will be returned in full in one year's time. Um. So I don't I don't really want to go further than that because that would be kind of spoiling the whole movie but it, it basically from then it follows Sir Gawain in that whole year's time and in his journey to go revisit the uh, Green Knight and end the prophecy of the one year one year's time um, it's worth mentioning as well that uh, Sir Gawain is the nephew of King Arthur and that uh, this is King Arthur at the end of his life so it's not like young King Arthur it's like King King Arthur like he'd been he been going, he been he been living a, a, a life, and so now it's the next and like next one up, kind of to like start mm-hmm. their own legacy, and so that that's the whole kind of idea yeah, behind this movie. Yeah, that's the big part of it is that he's he's uh, only just recently been granted his knighthood um, through actually through this challenge does he earn his knighthood, um, and it, it's basically he is uh, younger guy looking for his his fame and his fortune and his he's looking to make a name for himself and that's kind of the whole reason he steps up to this challenge in behalf of king arthur 
So this movie is an adaptation, uh, like we talked about, of a poem, which I listened to. I listened to Did the you? audiobook. Uh, it's like an hour and a half to listen to, so it's not a very long listen. I, I, I skimmed. Yeah, so I listened to the poem, and it's it, the poem's very different. There's a lot of different resolutions. Course, yeah. but and Obviously, uh, it's highly translated through many languages. Yeah, that too. But the intro sequences are pretty similar, like for the most part. Uh, where it goes to different places is is nice, and I and that's the thing I really like about this movie, um, where it goes and kind of what it's trying to tell about the character Sir Gawain, played by Dev Patel, who is just a phenomenal Incredible. actor. Just his his body language is great, his facial expressions are fantastic. Yeah, just the the range of emotion in his voice and his speaking voice, his yelling voice. Like I think I think qualities like that are brushed off of for good actors. Like I think. Um, uh, other good actors like uh, Owen Wilson, Locke, Locke, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy. I think he does that well too. Where they could have a speaking voice, where and you could get a, a ton of emotion just by listening. Like if if the TV was off, you can tell that he's putting a lot of emotion into his words. Yeah, I I think both of them do something really good with like annoyance because like there's a point where um. Uh, Dev Patel is just brushing off another character in the movie and he's just like riding by and he's just kind of like in his tone you can tell that he's just moving on like he doesn't want anything to do with this person anymore but he's not like he's not paying attention to them anymore like that's such like a subtle thing to do with your voice but like it's so well done that it's like oh yeah I believe that but yeah the whole movie is so incredible it's the the cast is great so Alicia Vikander is fantastic um I love uh my boy uh, Barry Cohen, Keoghan, Keoghan, Cohen, Keoghan, Keoghan. Uh, he's an Irish actor, so it's probably it's probably like Barry Keoghan, 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 Keoghan. But he was in the Killing of a Sacred Deer, and he is the whole reason that movie is fantastic. Sam Harris playing the king, uh, Joel Edgerton playing the lord. I feel like a lot of this cast is very well picked it was this cast was very well cast yeah they did a good job the casting director was great because I mean the variety here of like faces and voices and names and Morgan Le Fay's in the movie just like taking from other parts of like different kind of um I guess history within the uh, Arthur Arthurian Arthurian lore, lore. Yeah. um it just makes for a fantastic movie and yeah. I think the the whole like symbolism behind the like, his tale and like his journey and like what's going on like I, I can't speak to it enough like uh, this movie really really impressed me with just the places it went um it's it, it, it I'd been thinking about it like every day since it yeah you know I, I mean I, just like it's been sitting on my mind yeah I, I want to re rewatch it really badly um impressed me in the same way lighthouse did yeah um it's and even visually it's sort of like in the same way where there's just weird thing you're looking at weird things and the colors are off and well i mean lighthouse didn't have much color in it but i mean the lighting is off right yeah lighting is very natural lighting i feel like in some points and um yeah just a just like uh, so many things to make you think and you're like you're watching these characters and you're watching characters um, think too, and it's like it, it. It was just so interesting overall. Yeah, no doubt. I think it. It was. It just was something that's so. It's so well done. Um, I can't speak to how how good everything comes together, 
it's different you know it's not so weird that it's like what am i watching but like i think a lot of people went into it thinking an action you know like a total action movie like yeah, some, total, something like like knights in shining armor right. action sequences big you know big huge sets with a bunch of people riding horses and i think i think that's what abby kind of went in thinking mm. to it being like because I, I i understood it too before uh, like i showed her the trailer in the trailer it's like oh this is a arthurian tale and has to deal with uh sir Gawain the knight and it's like you kind of get those themes in your head and you if you bring them to the movie you're you're definitely will leave confused yeah because i noticed that the critics gave this like 92 percent on Rotten tomato and then like fans it's like 50 on like wow and that's because i think they went in with that expectation of like oh this is gonna be some kind of action fest like lord this is gonna be lord of the rings when instead it's something much more patient much more um like caring about its characters and its tale and maybe it could leave you a little confused like oh what what's going on like i could see like there's a couple sequences that have to do with joel edgerton's character that's like wait i don't i don't get what's going on it makes perfect sense once you realize um the the short story and like can you take all into context and so that's why it it left me wanting more after i was done watching i was like oh i need to like do my research and kind of Mm -hmm. figure out more about this because i'm not familiar with this tale at all yeah i think another scene where he was tied up in the woods um confused i think would confuse a lot of people um but uh before i spoil that um just drop the weight the rating it's an 83 okay it's it's pretty hot it's pretty hot on the list i'm not gonna lie yeah um but like we we're saying it, it it doesn't there's some it, you definitely have to look for the meat it's definitely uh uh there's a lot of sides there's a lot of really just well done vegetables um but the 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 meat portion of it, I think it is missing. I I totally wanted more of it, um, and it 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 kind of left me in a place where it's like I I just need to watch it again. I and, and not to say that's a that's definitely a good thing that I want to watch it again, but I feel like sometimes there's 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 more left on the bone. Yeah, I'm giving it a 91. I think it's a masterpiece. I think your complaint is similar to a lot of people with uh, like if I I read a lot of the. Rotten Tomatoes reviews from from um, just the fans, and a lot of them were like, "This movie's too artsy. Um, it's all art, no content." And I'm like, "Okay, like I get it. Like if this isn't your like typical like bouting, but uh, once I saw it was a twenty four, I kind of knew what I was getting into. So I was, me as well. I I already knew it's going to be an an artsy flick. Um, that being said, I think I got more story and you know just more more character development even though this is at least Gwen himself has a huge arc everyone else kind of just is is there to push him in the story yeah, it's totally his story and once you kind of realize oh this is all about him and about who he is where he's going where he's been then you're like okay now i'm trying to understand because it's more about character and it's more about you know what makes a human whole like what is what is your legend what is your tale and there's even like a like 3 minute um, like what you need to know before going into the movie, I would recommend watching that. It's on YouTube. It's on A24's channel. It says like, it's like the Green Knight, like, I don't know. It's not like history, but it's almost like, it, it gives you like a real precursor saying like, this is about this. This is has to do with these people. This is who the, who are the, the characters. Like, it's almost like a playbill before going into the movie. Oh yeah, totally. And, it, and it's direct, and it's got a great voice actor. I think it's the, um, 
So it's actually the guy who plays the Green Knight, uh, Ralph Ineson, who's like an all-time great like physical actor, just like able to put on so many different costumes. And he's Let so, me see his face. Um, yeah, I'll show you his face. Um, but he actually does, he narrates the um, the little short three-minute like video beforehand. And I think after you watch that, that that'll decide yes or no, I want to watch this movie. And then also it will help you temper your expectations because I think going in a lot of our audience listening to the show might think one thing and then be like oh okay this is kind of what more I'm going for yeah I think I think it is definitely a tailored audience for this movie so Dave season two that is what I'm going to be talking about for the television section here I love season one. I think it basically was like uh, a white people version of Atlanta, which is a phenomenal show. And with this one, it it ups the ante by thirty um, percent, maybe maybe as far nice. as that's like solid forty percent. By upping the ante, I mean this mo- this sh- season is extremely stressful. Like it gave me anxiety to watch tension. It. The tension has been brought out. I wouldn't even say tension. I mean, some points there's some points are tense, but like for the most part, I was just so stressed out watching it. Like, just and it's weird to say that, but it gave me like uncut gems vibes. Mm. Just like everything happening all at once. Like even straight out of like the first two episodes, you're just like, oh, you just feel so bad for like because Dave is a super funny character. Like Lil Dicky does a great job acting in the show. It's like almost like hard to separate. Th- his character from like who he is in real life. And then I'm like, I got to remind myself, Oh yeah, there's acting, there's acting because like even hearing him in interviews, there was a, there, one of the characters who plays the manager on the show has his own podcast and he Andrew had Santino. Yep. Andrew Santino. And he's called uh whiskey, ginger whiskey, whisker, gingy, whiskey, whiskey, ginger. And, um, he had Gata and Lil Dicky on and the three of them were just talking and it was like, man, this felt like it could be an episode of Dave. Like it just was so, their characters are not that far off other than Gata being a little bit more reserved in real life and like a little bit more tempered than he's in the show. He's pretty yeah, like and, elevated on the show. And Andrew being an actual comedian and driving conversations. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, obviously he has his own personality outside of Mike, the manager, but, um, it was just, it was wild for me to like, and then it made it even harder to separate like reality from fiction. Yeah. I feel you. I definitely understand that. Cause I watched that episode of the podcast too. I know Andrew Santino from a bunch of podcasts that I listen to. Yeah, he does like he's a lot of like big name people on it. Yeah, and he's just a a popular comedian. Um, but yeah, I think when I'm watching the show, it, it, they all the characters definitely feel like they are, they are who they are, and yeah. they 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 very much are alive in the show. Yeah, and it's even more so here. Um, one of our favorites, Doja Cat's, makes an appearance in episode five, and her like appearance is super like raw. And like feels really real. It's like everything I know about her, like IG live personality, like it's totally just that written and it's crazy. Um, does she, does she play, Do- she plays Doja Cat, right? She plays herself, nice. but it's, but it's like, it, it it's, it's obviously a, uh, uh, outside of the music interpretation, like a real life interpretation of, of a Doja Cat. It, it's, it's written all to all written, but it, it feels like, yeah, that could have actually happened. Like the episode she's in, like her, her storyline, like, yeah, that, that seems super realistic. And I think she had a big hit part in writing it. And so that's why mm. it seems that like yeah, that could actually happen. Um, 
and and overall you just kind of feel bad for dave you know he's, he's got so much stuff going on and different things and and uh it, it, it this this final climax basically it's the, the whole idea behind it is this is the coming forth of his first studio album so the entire season is about his studio album and like the production of it and like what's going on with it and like everything that happens along the way he actually meets with uh i seem to say bill russell but uh russell simmons russell simmons uncle russ yeah he has an episode with russell simmons um and like i don't know man no maybe he never does meet russell simmons he's he's supposed to meet russell simmons but i don't think he ever does (laughs) maybe that's maybe that's a joke maybe that one went over my head um but the the thing as a whole is just like it, it it was a really really cool season made me feel a lot of things and mostly just like gave me a lot of like dread and and that's an unfortunate feeling to be left on but the good news is the season's done so you can it's 10 episodes you can get through all 10 pretty quickly because i think they're 30 minute episodes so you don't have to feel the week by week dread like i did watching it weekly um but you you can just stream through it it's it's super good um really good acting really good writing i think dave's one of the best like music comedy shows since atlanta um one of the best of this current era of television that we're in and I would totally recommend season one and two of Dave. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Really, really, really cool stuff. Did you give it a number already? Um, I did not yet. I will give it the fat old 87. I think yeah. it's a great show. It makes you feel a lot of things. The season finale is powerful. Like just like everything it brings into these characters development and like the subplots going on around them and like bringing them back and like, everything about it is awesome but like i said it it is a dreadful show and it and i almost i wanted more w's for dave because it just mm-hmm. felt like a lot of l's so um 87 out of 100 to start off my uh combo platter of the month um we're going with a little franchise called the witcher um for tv Gerald? i watched uh witcher the live action with henry cavill my man my knight in shining armor my superman my, yes and um if if anyone knows anything about the witcher series is that Geralt loves a nice steaming hot bath so in in form of him liking a bath henry cavill likes a nice bath ah uh, there's and, a f- and one of the best um behind the scenes uh sort of um interactions is um henry cavill in an interview Stating, like, anytime you see me in a bath, like, I haven't eaten or drinking water in, like, a day and a half. That's why he looks so good in a bath. Hmm. And that has always stuck in my head now of me working out and, like, me trying to get, obtain a body that's uh, probably unobtainable in some sorts is, like, oh, I just have to starve myself for a day and a half and also not drink water. Just be dehydrated so your skin is really thin and sits over your muscles nicely how many times do you get to see henry cavill's feet in the bath that's the real question man i don't even know dude i think i i it's it's literally uncountable i black out every time i see it you know what i mean there's a famous meme of uh gerald in the video game leaning back in like a like square bath or circular bathtub and then his he's just kind of a long body so his feet are like hanging up over the top of the water and you just kind of see his piggly wigglies Yes, um, but to start off with this show specifically, um, 
I think this is the one of the best things outside of the video game um, that uh, they could have produced. Really, uh, Henry Cavill is a great actor, and he plays uh, Geralta Rivera like very well. Um, I want to look up the other actors real quick, um, but other than that, uh, the show itself is is just cool. I don't I don't know if anyone. It's it's hard to talk about The Witcher without going into a bunch of lore because it is based off of um just a big book set, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, it it, it introduces uh Geralt and Yennefer this witch that he follows around and falls in love with super well. Um it it, it totally builds on their their it it's such a great foundation for their characters. Um really just to uh I I I really want it. it just barely got approved for a second season or they ba- like only just finished filming the second season um even though it is a 2018 show Henry Cavill admits he tried to put his feet up for the Netflix Witcher bathtub scene and apparently they said that it might have been a bit much for him to put <sighs> his feet up so no absolute uh, bastards bro no Henry Cavill feet for all of you uh little crazy freaks out there but um yeah there's totally like he he totally did it while they're recording and then they they cut they cut the scene like maybe not the feet so i i think the footage exists it just didn't make it to the show bro i'll pay good money for that footage i i i I mean i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing it um but it's a 2019 show and i feel like i feel like it's such a good foundation to go further and it's such a good netflix original I think that's also rare in this day and age is finding a Netflix original that can kind of go the distance. I could go the distance with your feet in my face. I did watch it a kind of uh, a while ago, so I don't want to go into the details of the uh, synopsis and uh, drone on. Thank you. Um, but just like any other Witcher thing, it's it's based off the books and in the, that being based off the books all the writing is incredible all the dialogue is is pretty believable and um the best part about it is is as the the role of a witcher is to uh hunt cryptids basically and that's how they get their their coin um per se and all all the uh monsters that he does hunt are so cool and so innovative and it, it definitely brings a a a cool aspect of the show He's basically Van Helsing. Exactly. Rating? Rating is going to be a 90 on the Netflix. So I I saw this because we share notes files we've discussed before. And the 9-0, I watched the first episode and it just was dry. I don't know. I just had a hard time getting into it. I, I'm going to watch the show because I got a ex-coworker who loves the show. And he's like, I know as soon as I talk to him again, uh, he'll be like, so what do you think of The Witcher? So I'm like, all right, I got to watch it for his sake. But I think I saw the first two episodes maybe. But it was like, I'm usually pretty involved. Like I'm pretty like invested. But um, that was one of the ones where I was just like in and out of almost. Like I I, I I just don't know. It just didn't grab me. Like it just felt like really slow. But maybe it picks up. Obviously it's going to have to. But Yeah, I would say it picks up. I don't, I don't know how far deeply you got into yennefer her character because the show does evolve a lot around her as well and she's a great actress um and she it basically there's a few episodes that are just centered around her that i think are really captivating 
in the world of sports, um, shifting the the pace here into something much more interesting. Um, I well, I'm sorry to bash on on The Witcher. We're going to be hearing a lot about it. I, I, I don't. Okay, we we I I can I can dumb them down. I could simplify them. Yeah, you're gonna have to for for my sake. Just just make it. Give me layman's terms so I I'll can. G- I'll give you layman's terms so I can get this so I can get through this episode. Sheesh. Sheesh. Uh, so. In the world of sports, um, my father-in-law has been staying with us, and he is a big, um, so grew up an athletics fan, I think. I don't know. He's a Dodgers fan um, now. I don't know how recent or old, or he's not going to listen to this, so he won't mind me bashing his potential homerism, or, or I wouldn't even say homer. He's not really a homer. He's more of a um, uh, band, maybe bandwagon. I don't know. Is it? Is it? Isn't he from the East Coast? No, he is from like Pomona or something. He's something up, I, I don't, maybe not Pomona, but he's from somewhere around the Oakland area, I think. Needs to say, he's here with us for a couple weeks because he's leaving Korea and um, basically has to get out of. Um, he doesn't like Korea. He's been there for like, this is the longest he's ever lived in one place, was in Korea, well, since his childhood. And uh, he was there for like six, seven years or something. And now, so he's back in the States. He's, he's with us um, for like two or three weeks at a time. He's just always watching baseball because it's baseball season and there's a game on every other day, literally, sometimes two days in a row. So he's always watching Dodgers. And because of that, I kind of have to up my baseball game. Like if I want to have anything to talk to him about, I got to like, I, I got to talk about my team. So because Mariners are in the wild card discussion for possibly the first time in a long time because they they have good seasons but the thing that sucks about baseball is there's only a couple wild card spots and if you don't fill that niche if you don't hit that spot in your american league or national league uh then you're out like it doesn't matter how good your season was if you don't get that spot even if you're x amount over 500 like it's not like football football is like if you have a good season you went 10-6 you're, you're in the playoffs no matter what yeah, there's just so many more games, and it's so much harder right. to... So much harder. It's just so much harder to differentiate yourself or climb the ranks. When right. You're, when, you, when you start getting behind, you really do start getting behind, and there's because there's so many games, it's hard to make it up. And there's only three division per league. Yeah. And so there's there's only three that are locked. So there's three that are locked per per National League and American League, and then there's two wildcard spots. And so what's that, five teams per, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think it's either five or six. There might be three wild card spots, but I'm pretty sure there's only two. Uh, needless to say, we're like, at one point, we were like three and a half game backs from the wild card spot. So it was like, it was getting spicy because we're winning games. And like, but here's the thing is like, we got to, the wild card spots belong to like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah. Because their division is stacked too. So it's like, well, in the American League, it's pretty tough. Like, we're going to have to knock out the Red Sox. And it's like, well, I don't think we're playing the Red Sox, but like they're gonna have to start losing. Yeah, exactly. And we're gonna have to start beating the Athletics and the uh, Toronto Blue Jays because those are the other two that are looking for that wild card spot. So it's like, ugh. So it's it's like sometimes we're watching the games and it's good, and it's like, whoa. And then sometimes we're, I'm watching an Astros game where it's three to fifteen because the Astros score fifteen runs on us, and I'm like, well, why did I even watch this? So being a Mariners fan is a. Um, do you uh, do you bang your trash can? In your living room? No, but I'm pretty sure I heard some bangs. You heard some? It was probably the crowd. Every every Astros games now, there's someone picking up a, a stadium trash can and banging it. 
and I'm, it's it's incredible. I'm pretty sure I did hear some bangs, and then I saw uh, Jose Altuve say, and he just pointed at the pitcher. He didn't say anything; he just pointed at the pitcher. And then as he ran around the bases for his home run, because he knew it was coming. Oof. So yeah, you know, man, the M's they are a 19 year drought. Did you know that 19 year playoff drought, that's the longest pretty, active strength right now in all of uh, playoffs, and every any professional sport. NHL, MLB, yeah. like to think the what the New York Jets made it to the playoffs more recently than like what, what's a really bad team in all of like sports right now? The Browns made it yeah, to the playoffs. I was about to say how how long were the Browns out? The Browns made it to the playoffs in 02. So they have to be like at least oh three oh three I think. Maybe. It, it, their their streak was probably not too small. Like maybe maybe years? O, maybe oh four. I don't know, but the Browns made it playoff more recently than the Cleveland freaking Browns made it more recently than yeah. the Seattle Mariners, which is unfortunate. So it's a long drought, not because our teams been bad. We've had a lot of good teams in those nineteen years. It's just so hard to make playoffs, and if you don't, and you have a tough division like with the Astros and the A's and like a lot of different teams that have been fluctuating and whatnot, it's really difficult to make playoffs. So hopefully, this is our year. I, I don't even care if we win. It was not like I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm totally rooting for you. I'm not like the hugest baseball guy, but I, I do watch it when it is on. If I can catch a game, um, not not super particular. I do like the Red Sox, but I'm not super particular. I think I, I would I would like to see the Mariners, you know, get some playoff baseball. Playoff baseball is kind of the best baseball. So if they yeah. can get if they can get into that circle, it'd be it'd be really nice. I'm not like a huge baseball fan either, despite having a couple of Mariners things. I, I love to watch baseball like live. Um, but I, I've been growing appreciation for the sport through John boy and through just the minutia of it all, like watching the pitch count and uh, understanding what framing is. You know, we've talked a little bit about Shohei, uh, a Tony has been uh, a tone high. Otani. Otani um, has been the most exciting thing I've I've probably seen in baseball in the in recent years. Yeah, yeah, he's been lighting up the season. He's been really fun. It's just been fun to see him be so like humble and like even in like dugout clearing like moments, and he's just kind of laughing. You know, he's just like he has a different attitude than anyone else. Yeah, I think they're in the same sort of position of uh, the Mariners as well, where they just have trouble making it to the uh, playoffs. Yeah, they got Trout and Otani, like two of like the best like baseball players in the league right now. But it's like the, they don't have like a dugout to help them out, really. Yeah, they don't have that. Uh, they, I don't know. They just they're just batting lineup is kind of. They're not they're not, they're not, they're not out there making the plays, dude. And Otani's just an okay pitcher. Like he's not like he's he's a good pitcher, but he's not like he's not somebody like Snell. He's not somebody who's gonna like game changing like help them get into playoffs when like he's a fantastic batter now i mean he's had a breakout season this year and he's number one in the league for home runs over 40 home runs for a reason because he's a fantastic hitter but his pitching he plays the he he just plays both sides of the ball which is nice yeah which is rare it's rare to find like a pitcher and and hitter that's this good ever you know it's like babe ruth or whatever yeah all right that's enough talking baseball that's that's their general thoughts on it i'm giving um so far of what I've seen, like I like catching a win, like watching a full game, catching a win, and especially because baseball doesn't really have commercial breaks. Like you watch a whole entire inning or at least mm-hmm. a top or a bottom. Like mm-hmm. there is no commercial break in between, which is which is like a, a brush of breath there. Because if you get a commercial break in the middle of a drive in a football game, you're like, Ugh, okay. So, yeah, like a commercial break on a second down is, is right. awful. Right. Um, so I'm giving 85 um, just from what I've seen. Like I, like I love baseball. 
love watching it. It's one of my all-time favorite sports. Um, and and Mariners have been crushing it. And when they're not crushing it, it's like oof. And but my uh, father-in-law just laughed, and he laughed in Dodger speak. He's like, "Oh, your team loses? Huh? Interesting." Yeah. Dodgers. Moving on to my uh, piece of sports. I also have not been watching a lot of sports this month. Um, maybe occasional baseball. Keeping up with basketball news is pretty much where my life is right, uh, right off now. Off season. Yeah, we're off season. So um, You're going to be talking about NFL preseason, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I pulled out uh, a, an age-old uh, play in my book is watch a sports documentary. Yeah, this one's really interesting to me because I think there's a podcast of it too. Did you know about that? Yeah, I think I I, I looked at it, didn't really felt too interested in listening to it, but I liked the show and it's Untold. Uh, I think Untold Crimes and Penalties is the show. Mm. Um, the episode that I watched is Untold Malice at the Palace. Um, if if you're not a basketball fan, you probably won't get the uh, you won't you won't you won't get this at all. Um, I mean, to be fair, I feel like I just remembered what Mouse in the Palace was last year. Like, I knew about it as a kid, but I'd forgotten for years, so. Yeah, I think the only reason I really have it flushed in Ryan is that uh, Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, played so many years on the Lakers. And, like, when, when yeah, when he's brought up out anywhere outside of him currently playing basketball, it's like, mm, you remember when he punched those fans in the face? And, you know, that that situation being the malice at the palace um but it's it this specifically is a very um very in-depth uh documentary i didn't think it was going to be that in-depth also interviewing um both meta world peace and e uh the lyrics are i hate when people don't finish their effing sentences if steve harvey say my name wrong i'll catch a sentencing Mouse of the Palace or Winona up in Saxfifth. This is Meta World Peace before the peace came. Mm. Bitch. That is Pressure in My Palms by Amine. And that's where I hear Mouse in the Palace um, at least like twice a week. I feel like I listen to that song so frequently. And so it stays fresh on my mind. But yeah, basically, Ron Artest was just being punked, right? <laughs> so the big the big four interviews that I really appreciated was obviously um Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, um Jermaine O'Neal. That's right. That's right. And Jermaine. Steven Jackson. And then number four, Reggie Miller. Yeah, yeah. Reggie Miller was there, of course. And I've I've heard him talk about it on like radio shows. Like Reggie Miller, like well because people always ask Reggie Miller about Mouse in the Palace. Because that's yeah. uh, it's an I iconic mean he was moment. he was their star player of the team at the time. Yeah. He, He's one of the greatest um, Pacers to ever live. Greatest Pacers ever lived. Um, they were possibly on... Right up a, there with uh, Detlef Shrimp. Detlef <laughs> Shrimp? Is that a real person? <laughs> uh, I'll show you his name, but go ahead. Uh, but yeah, in, in this particular season, it's uh, Reggie Miller's possibly last season, in his 18th season in the uh, league. Um, they were looking really good for a championship. He looks like a great... A great uh, basketball player Detlef Schrempf yeah he looks like a six man like your classic white guy six man he looks like your 6'10 man 6'10 long boy he wouldn't survive in today's basketball um you say that 
but when you look at that high and tight, tell me that's not a that's not a winner right there. That's pretty sick. The the white man with a flat top is very is is pretty basketball to me. <laughs> I feel like that's I, iconic. But that's Indiana basketball right there. And little did you know, uh, finished his career on the Trailblazers. Ninety nine and odd odd. Mm-hmm. Averaging uh, like five points a game, but five points a game. Hey, you know, you might not be a six man. You might might be an eighth man. You know, but at his at his, at his highest tier in ninety two, nineteen point one. Why are we talking about deadlift shrimp? Deadlift shrimp. We're talking about the Pacers greats. <laughs> Mouse in the Palace. When did Mouse in the Palace take place? Well, let's look that up. Nineteen. No, it's got to be the two thousands, right? 2000, 2004. 2004. It's known as the Pacers-Pistons brawl. Yeah. Those are those the two teams playing. And those are like two of the more... I mean, I think Pistons got this name to be like the, the mean boys in the, of the 90s, right? Yeah, Pistons Pistons have always... Or at least not as of recently, but in those early 2000s, late 90s years, they they did have that, uh, that moniker with them. Yeah. After Pistons center Ben Wallace attempted layup, but was fouled by Ron Artest and it was like egregious foul but then like the fans got into it because it was at it was in Detroit right yeah yeah so, so um it's it, it goes to it goes as far back as a year in the storyline so last year in the uh in their division championships so you're saying 2003 2003 yeah it goes back to last season um the Pistons blow out the Pacers mm. and at that time, the only people I think it's Jermaine O'Neal, Reggie Miller, and Ron Artest who are on the Pacers at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, then next year they sign Stephen Jackson, and now it's the coin is flipped, and this is I think it's even a preseason game. It's not even a. I'm pretty sure uh, I'm pretty sure that was notable too. It's a preseason game. It's not even a. It's in November, so I don't November. think it's, I think it's a regular season regular game. season game. Yeah. Um, in, in the game was called right yeah and you it's this it's total flip of a coin now the Pacers are blowing out uh Detroit and it's it, there's a great line at the end of the at the end in in the uh, documentary where it's like someone some someone else on the team tells Ron Artest it's the fourth quarter you can get your foul because as as a retribution for the last time they got blown out, they tell Ron Artest like you can go get your foul now because mm. Ron Artest is having like a great a great game against them. Yeah, he's like go get your foul now. So yeah, like I said, Rasheed Wallace goes up for um goes up for a layup, and it's also I think it was the the day after he found out his brother had died, Rasheed mm. Wallace. So like it's it's a very interesting. Uh, there's a there's so many more. Um, cogs in the in the gear house you know that were that were turning that night that kind of made it into what it is so Ron Artest gets gets this hard foul on Rashid Wallace it's whistled um they get into a little like a, a very normal shoving match and like um there's a bunch of game footage in this documentary which was which was awesome to watch too but they get into this little tiny shoving match and there's just a moment where Ron Artest lays on the scoring bench like he's he's done fighting with people he's done blowing up the everything is separated everything is, is died down and Rashid Wallace is still kind of talking and he's he wears a lot of headbands and armbands and he starts kind of chucking them obviously they're not going to do any damage to anybody but he's just annoyed 
So I start chucking those. And then the most perfect shot, like in 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 the in the arena cup beer cup throwing history, um, you see a fan just kind of raise under under throws a, a cup of beer and it hits Ron Artest in the chest perfectly while he's laying back uh hands behind his head on the uh, scorer's table and after that um it basically erupts into a complete riot where Ron Artest, uh Jermaine O'Neal and Step Steven Jackson charge the uh charge the fans and run up into the bleachers basically just to get into fist fights and in, ensues the riot where there's uh fans on the court uh fighting fighting players and you know policemen you know pulling people off the court and like about uh, like literally trying to arrest basketball players and you know the the entire documentary has so much footage and even like tunnel footage of them coming off the court and like people literally pouring beers on them as they're leaving through the tunnel and like eventually someone throws a chair and it's like it it really is a great documentary in, in lieu of like the other sports documentaries that have been so popular all of last dance and just sports sports documentaries growing in popularity in general. I think I think it's a really solid, decent show, and I, I, I am interested to watch more episodes because they have a boxing one. They have a, I think they have some ice skating one or something like that. That I feel like if they bring the same quality and the same amount of actual archival footage, I think it, it could be very interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised there's no thirty for thirty on this, but yeah, it's called Mouse the Palace because the the, the name of the arena is the Palace in Auburn Hills, Michigan. And the other bit of information that's interesting, like I said earlier, the game was uh, was never finished. It was 45 seconds left, and the game was just called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pacers won 97, uh, Pistons 82. So it wasn't even like a close game. I think it just the Pistons fans were just pissed. And the my all-time favorite like look or like screenshot is Ron Artest walking back after the brawl and his jersey is just stretched, just yeah. completely stretched yeah. from like everybody like grabbing pulling him on him and pulling like, on yeah. him. Like that's like iconic. You know, if like you got a stretch jersey like that, like something went down. Yeah. I, I wanted to give the show a uh, big old solid 80. I think if you, if you're lacking in your sports knowledge um, and you're lacking in your sports enjoyment, Definitely watch Malice, Untold Malice at the Palace. The Grady. Great T. In the world of anime, I um, obviously have been watching anime for the most recent Medium of the Month episode, which just released uh, with uh, one young Ryan Stabell. Um, so that's spent a lot of my anime spare time. Um, however, I've also been watching um, My Hero Academia season five, which is um, been releasing forever. You know, they've been in season all year basically because it's a twenty-six episode season, and so you know that's twenty-six plus weeks. You know, half the year basically. And uh, this is a continuation of one of the most popular shonen, one of the most popular anime period. And it's certainly for a good reason. It's one of my all-time favorites. We love it. We know it. Um, great, great story of zero to hero, and in the world of of heroes. So if you don't, if you know, if you if you like anime and you've never seen My Hero Academia, go ahead and watch it. Uh, I'm not going to give any synopsis because it's so popular. 
Um, but season five, um, I'll kind of sprinkle in some of what's going on. Season five opens up with a class one A versus class one B uh, battle, uh, and it's not even like a battle; it's like a training, it's like a test, you know. And I and I love class one B. I love character development. Like probably one of my favorite things about this show is character development, and that's why this season rocks for me because all of like the side stuff mm. and all the characters growing and all of like fleshing them out and their personalities and seeing their powers and work like that's the best stuff like i could care less about one for all and right hero versus villain like i i don't really care about that that's not why i like that's not why my hero academia shines for me and that's not why one punch man shines for me because obviously one punch man itself in its own name is a joke like the battles aren't like the battles are special but that's not what's great about what's so awesome about it is the character development and similarly yeah, and the characters around right. Saitama and Deku. Right, exactly. Because in both shows, the lead characters are more or less the least interesting characters of the show. Like everything around them is more interesting. Todoroki, Bakugo, Kaminari, um, everything. Oh, the, the teachers at the um, at the high school, like everything is so... Number one hero, Endeavor. Endeavor is so interesting. Uh, and so this this uh, this season touches, touches... Yep, it touches a lot on Hawks, a lot on Endeavor who are like the one and two right now. So this focuses a lot on uh, those two guys and their relationship. And there's the crazy thing that they bring into focus is this is still the first year. They're still in their first year at the Academy. Five seasons, all in one year. Yeah, I think um, I personally am getting some fatigue on it. I think they need to get out of school. And... uh, I'm glad that this you said that this uh, season goes more in depth on Hawks and Endeavor because that's basically the reason I would watch at this point. I, I I'm I'm just behind. I just haven't. It's not a bit been on my watch list for the last few days or for the last month. So been missing out a bit. I want to pick up Tokyo Revengers too. Um, oh yeah. I'm glad I'm getting in the getting to start that rather than continue to watch my hero. Yeah, see, I like I love seeing those characters like powers and in, in, in action, and I love seeing like what they do with them, the growth, because it's it's cool to see the costume changes. It's just it's just great to see character development in a show that you've just put so much time into. Like, and the characters are still meaningful. Like, I love Dragon Ball Z, and I spent so much time with that. But you're not going to see any character development from some of your all time favorites, like um, Yamcha. Um, he, he's pretty much the same person the entire time. I mean, he grows into DBZ, but then he becomes useless. You know, like a lot of your all-time favorite characters become useless. Piccolo becomes useless. Like so many great characters that they spend so much time developing just become useless. Whereas this show is like all these characters are growing at the same rate. Like all these newbies are like growing together, you know? I'm pretty sure in the newest season of Dragon Ball, or maybe it was just in, the last season. In Super? Super, yeah. I think there's a moment where Vegeta out passes goku and then it's then a show about goku chasing vegeta's power okay if i'm not mistaken that's cool yeah that's like two characters two characters relevant from from the start of yeah from how yeah how long the show has been it took them that long to develop those two characters and have that switch but like characters that could have been useful like gohan are worthless you know true like trunks has his moment or whatever but like now he's a kid again so yeah young adult whatever I don't know. I I think my Pic- hero Piccolo. Come on, my hero is really taking its time, and I really appreciate that between its its seasons. Um, 
they do some stuff like I love the internships. They do another internship because it's winter break. So they had a summer okay. internship and then okay. now they have a, it's only a week long because that's only how long a winter break is in Japan, but it's a week long uh, inter- internship. So they go back out on the streets. Um, do they graduate their first year? I'm not going to spoil anything. What the hell? Dude, come on, dude. What the hell? But that's the, the beauty of it. You learn a little bit more about the school's history. You learn about um, one of my favorite characters, President Mike, um, who is the basically the announcer of um, UA. Nice. Um, and it's it's just a really awesome season for me as a, a fan of these characters and watching them grow and learning about Todoroki and his family because they do a lot about that and about Endeavor because that's such an interesting arc of how the number one hero has changed and how he's grown as a man. And they've kind of touched in that in the last season, but this season they're really, really uh, fleshing that out and it makes for a lot of really good stuff. So overall uh, season six of my hero academia, I'm going to give a 94. I think it is a uh, masterpiece of a season. It's one of my all time favorite anime. It's, I think it's number six on my top 50 anime. It is just a really, really, really good show. And this is another season that's just, I, I used to say every single season gets better. I don't think this one's better than, uh, I don't mm-hmm. think season five is better than season four. Uh, season four is still like the, the highest of the highs for me, but um, season five is a lot of fun and it's, it's made for people like me. Very nice, dude. In my world of uh, animation. Yeah. And he has to preface that because he's not actually, when we were talking about anime. So I gave him crap before the show started off air. Right. Is, is, anime just specifically referring to something from an Asian country I won't even go as far to say that it's strictly Japanese animation it has to be Japanese animation or it's no longer anime Chinese animation not anime Korean animation not anime it may look like it it may resemble it in its features and it may be anime like but it's not anime it's the difference between in in the video game world a roguelite versus a roguelike very very few games are rogue like because they rogue rogue likes have to be exactly like the game rogue where they're procedurally generated if you die you restart uh it's like turn based it's it's got so many different xyz's to to match up to be it but a lot of games are rogue lights where like Hades where you have to like start over uh, and you but you keep on going you keep your progress and you keep pushing through a run in the same way a lot of game, a lot of anime, uh, or a lot of cartoons are anime-like, but they're not anime if they're not made in Japan. That's it. Period. End of discussion. But That's, that is the the rule. That is the rule. That's the definition. Anime is Japanese animation. Any and the people say, "Oh, it looks like anime." No, there is no look of anime. Shin Chan is an anime. Like it's anything under any cartoon made out of Japan is an anime. Like so, like little penguins in three D animation. That's an anime. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's just anything that comes out of Japan is technically under the the umbrella of anime. And people might say I'm gatekeeping anime. No, I'm just giving the definition of what anime is. Anything else is just a cartoon from the specific place. There's there's names for Chinese anime. There's an actual term for it. I don't know it off the top of my head. But you're talking about a uh, Western um, Car- par- cartoon done in an anime style. It's an anime-like. And I'm okay with anime-likes. Okay. As long as we... Okay. Well, as long as we clarify, it's an anime. Then I watched the anime like The Witcher, uh, Nightmare of the Wolf. Okay. And when what is does this go over anything that's been covered in the video games, or is it like a unique like it is a story? Unique, it is a unique story. Does it feature Gerald? It does not. 
Wow, that's um, bold. Geralt has a uh, a mentor of sort. Um, his name is Vesemir. Um, this Who story, Nightmare of the Wolf, uh, directly um, references a story of young Vesemir and his uh, sort of uh, young adolescence and him becoming a witcher himself. So it's kind of like a prequel to the prequel. The prequel to the prequel. Um, this is a Netflix original animation, so you want to think it, it looks almost extremely similar to Castlevania. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of gives me almost like DC animation vibes. Yes, absolutely. Um, the difference, I would say, then is that this is this has a pretty high-level amount of animated gore in it, which is, uh, is, is pretty... Uh, welcomed on my side i don't know if it's welcome on everyone's side but it as as does all the uh witcher adaptations it does have just like it for whatever reason you there's a small pocket of each of them that has randomly highly edited gore in it like so um in this one specifically this uh uh this monster is in the woods and it attacks this family that gets lost and it they're literally uh, ripping children in half like this monster is um and that's that's how it opens up and I, i'd like to say that animated gore for some reason is welcome for me when it's like trying to show consequences it doesn't even be in every anime like when i'm watching sports anime no i don't need any gore because that's not the tone but if you're trying to show me hey this is like an awful being and you're trying to show the consequences of it yeah that's nice because i've seen so many anime where there's just no gore or there's like black and white blood and it's like, uh, you don't really feel the detriment or the consequences of how terrible these people are. You know, even if you hear like the death total, it's like, okay, but what did, what did they really do? How what did, did they- it look like? What, it, like, if you can relate it to a specific thing, it like, what did the gore look like? And, um, this one's quite welcome. It's, it's the same sort of situation where it's based off, you know, previous books and lore and it ends up making a really interesting show. Um, this, for whatever reason, the Witcher series and everything under the Witcher hat, they always have like a very fresh take on older kind of more medieval themes, but they're always fresh and they're always new. And they always have a, a, a element that has been changed specifically to make it more interesting. The WCU. Exactly. The Witcher cinematic universe. Exactly. Um, this one, uh, I, I'm just going to be brief with it so I don't uh, bore my co-host here. Um, it's going to be an, a solid 85. If you if you did enjoy like other uh, Netflix orig- original animations like uh, The Great Pretender or um, Castlevania or uh, Devilman Crybaby, um, I think I think you should definitely give this a watch. It's a it's it's just a single movie. It, it the runtime isn't too bad. It, it kept an my hour and a half. Yeah, it kept my uh, attention really well, um, and the and the characters are super cool, and it, it it it's cool because Vesemir in the game is kind of this old crotchety old man, um, but here he's like he's very much a rebellious person, and um, you just see a lot of life in him when he's a young Witcher, and it, I I find it very interesting relating that to like a young Geralt. So it pays off to for sure, yeah. To when, have played the yeah, video games you, it, and then it stands alone for sure by itself. If you want that introduction to what a Witcher is and what kind of what they are and how they're treated, um, but it does have a big uh, representation in the games as well. Cool, 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 cool. 
speaking of games, this is video games we're talking about. I'm gonna be talking about a biggie, a biggie that I spent so much effing time with. You probably spent a lot of time with The Witcher too, but Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword was uh, gifted to me for my birthday by my boy Jerry McBride, and um, I promised him that I would talk about it on the show. And I, I, I scrambled to, to finish it, but uh, I looked on the howlongtobeat.com, which is a great resource if you ever want to kind of get an expectation of how long a certain game is before getting into it. And I saw that this version, which is the Skyward Sword HD remake for the Nintendo Switch, was going between like uh, basically like 30 and 40 hours. But I thought it was going to be closer to 30 for me because I thought I was like only doing a little bit of side stuff. And so by the time I got to 30 hours and I thought I was done, and then they were like, wait, 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 you got like another like seven hours to go. I was like, oh, because I just felt like the game should have ended there. Like I should have had the last battle and the game should have ended there. But they wanted to do more stuff and have more puzzles and whatever. Um, Skyward Sword, I, I love. Um, I love a lot of stuff about it. I think it's a great Legend of Zelda game, mostly because there's a hub world. So Skyloft mm. is like the hub. Like if you think like monster hunter world, you have like your hub, like where you keep returning back to after you do hunts or whatever. So Skyloft is, is like where you live, where you make relationships with people. And I love that kind of world. And I love that idea that it's it's this floating Island. And then you go down onto earth and those are the different places that you like do your dungeons and you fetch quests or whatever. Um, and so going back to somewhere that's comfortable and kind of resetting, that is like so special to me because when I compare it to Breath of the Wild, which I also love, you you end up stopping in the middle of the wasteland and pausing your game and shutting it off. You have no home. Yeah, you have nowhere to come home to. You just you, you're Link, just a, you're a nomad. Link has no home. He he does what he <laughs> wants. He goes as he pleases. And in Breath of the Wild, a lot of people love that. They're like, oh, it's open world. But as I've discussed open world games don't always click with me. Like they're very far in between. Do they like resonate with me? Yeah. Why don't you clear Ganon out of the castle? The castle's literally under siege. You'd have a home if you cleared the castle. And I hear you can do that in an hour. I've seen games done quick on that. You can like <laughs> speed run through Breath of the Wild. Um, but no, Skyward Sword is, is cool. And the main reason I would have never played Skyward Sword before is because of motion controls. And I strictly played this game with no motion controls because it, on the pro controller for the Nintendo Switch, Everything can be played with uh, your sword being slashed with your right joystick. And that took a while for me to get the hang of. But now, anytime I pick up the controller, I'm I'm like, it's muscle memory. Like, I'm turning, you turn the camera, like, by pressing, like, L1. Okay, I understand. And then you rotate the joystick. Yeah. So so then it's like, you move the camera that way, and then you progress forward. Like, it just became secondhand nature to me. It became so easy. And, like, yeah, it might be inconvenient at first, but once you figure it out, and then once you figure out you're slashing with the right stick, like... And then you're doing horizontal and like how to defeat certain enemies. A lot of enemies are based off of your horizontal or vertical or diagonal slashes because that's basically the main ways. Or you have a jab that you can just directly thrust your sword out. And I can totally see how that would work with Joy-Cons or Nintendo uh, Wii uh. remote. Right. And uh, But I just never wanted to play that way. So I played the entire time with the Pro Controller and it was fantastic. And I think that that's the optimal way to play the game and everyone should play it that way. And it should have been released that way because if it works that way, it should be played that way. Yeah. Uh, the, Wii, the Wii always needed a standalone controller yeah i think they had one but it was never it was not good and they never no one ever made anything for it whereas like the pro controller people are making games for the pro controller which is huge because it's one of the best controllers in all of nintendo's history um i think you explaining that like put a memory in my mind why i never played this 
right this version of zelda and, and a lot of people hadn't either because it was at the end of the wii's life at the beginning of the wii u's life and if you never had a wii u then you might have been off your radar and the same thing with me i never had a wii u and by the time they came out for the wii i was just not playing the wii anymore and i didn't want to do motion controls but i'd seen like a lot of tens been given out retrospectively a lot of people think it's the worst 10 ever given mm-hmm. um and probably a big part of that is going back to motion controls and how bad they are um i had this game at a 90 for so long for so long and then at the end of the game, there became a fetch quest where I had to go back to a place. A lot of it, it's almost Metroidvania like. I would almost say Metroids and Legend of Zelda games share a lot in common because you keep going back to the same place. But they reuse the same hub worlds. There's basically only three other, I wouldn't say hub world, but there's three other like worlds that you can go into. And then you expand the different places you can go and there's shortcuts and whatnot. And you go back to a place it's flooded with water and the entire mission is swimming through water and collecting like musical notes and it's not like mario fun like collecting musical notes it's like find these hidden musical notes in between these enemies but you're swimming through water and the swimming mechanic is atrocious it is so bad like it is just swimming in this game is so like i know everyone complains about water worlds but this has to be one of the worst water worlds ever it's not even the water world. There is like an actual water section that's like fine. It's just a, it's just a flooded dungeon. It's just it's just a flooded land. It's like the it's like mm. it's the woods that are flooded. Then you're used to seeing them like at a normal size, and now you have to like they're flooded all the way to the top, and you're swimming through all these places that you used to walk around. And yeah, you can collect the like little air bubbles to restore your air, and it just was so cumbersome. It was like an hour and a half of me in just so. Dis- fed up and annoyed yeah just not genu- enjoying genuinely not enjoying it and i was like why why was this ever created why is why did anyone think collecting musical these little it's tadpoles they're tadpoles shaped like um music notes and you're collecting them and then if it's a string like it's you have you have the music sheet on your on your screen and there's so much ui on the screen bro i'm not the, the hud is so <laughs> cluttered because you have the sheet music it's three lines of sheet music that's like faded and each time you collect a music note, it shows where it, c- it comes up on the sheet music. And they're always there. And so then when you have to collect a like an entire like um, like 16th notes, like four 16th notes mm-hmm. together or like six 16th notes, you have to get you have to swim in a straight line and collect them. And if you don't get it within like five seconds of each other, you have to go back to the beginning and recollect them. Like it's not just like collect them and then now they're permanently there. You have to collect the string in a row. It's like, like oh. just explaining that one thing. And I and I. I hate I feel your frustration, this. man. I had, there's so much, so many things in like Zelda. Like I, I, I do love Zelda, and I definitely feel its appeal. I love Breath of the Wild. I love um, Majora's Mask is probably my favorite. Um, but Majora's Mask has a lot of it too, where it's oh, just yeah. like you, this dungeon is dog watered. Like it's so tedious and annoying, and like you know you, the whole thing of like switching between whatever and whatever, and you know playing the it's it's all. Zelda has those moments where it's just like, oh man, this is such a tedious task. And so many RPGs before it have since removed this from their game. Yeah. And, and, you know, because it is, you know, they understand that our RPGs can be inherently tedious. So they try to make the quality of life a little better for whatever reason. Zelda being a Nintendo game, they stick to traditions, ends up having always two or three levels or dungeons that are like that, that are just so annoying to play through. And you got me wrong. I, like I said, I love the game. I'm only lowering it one point 
after all of that complaining, I'm dropping it from a 90 to an 89. I've just, it, it, it dropped out of the masterpiece conversation for me, unfortunately, but nearly a masterpiece. I love so many of the characters. The combat was fun. Um, some of the villains and like bosses were more fun than the other. The, the final boss is like insane. Like the final boss is like the design for it is something like akin to like Twilight Sword. Twilight Princess? There we go. Twilight Some, Princess. Something akin to like Twilight Princess or even like Street Fighter or I would even go to far. Have you seen Azura's Wrath? Have you seen that game ever? I think I, I, it, it's such a gritty style and it like it's so in contrast to the entire game. You're like, oh, this dude means business. Like the final boss is insane. I'll just have to show you a picture biz. of him. But uh, the, the game's a lot of fun. It, it, it was something that was really special. Big shout out to Jared. Thank you for hooking me up with it because otherwise I don't know if I ever would have uh, went yeah, on my way to play sense. it. So, um, great, great experience. Um, uh, I think one of my favorite Zelda games up there with Minish Cap and Breath of the Wild. Um, 89 out of 100. Moving on to my game of the, the month, I played uh, GTA V. <clears throat> Um, you already know what I played. We played The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, this is my introduction to The Witcher. Um, I basically got this at the beginning of the month when I moved back in with my brother because he had it on disc and I wanted to play it. He said I should play it, so I started playing it. And what, what's your rating for Skyrim? Skyrim? Yeah, what would you rate Skyrim? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't... I, Just off the top of your head. Off the top of my head, bro... I get like a seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. What'd you rate Red Dead Redemption? Two. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption two. Oh, Red Dead Redemption two is like a ninety-five. Ninety-five. So I'm pretty sure you'd probably be around like a low ninety, mid eighty for Witcher three Wild Hunt. So I started The Witcher two on the Xbox three hundred and sixty back in the day, and I and I was playing it. So there's this life hack that I did at GameStop. <laughs> I would buy. I bought one game. I put forty dollars into like Battlefield Three or something, and then I re, it was used copy. So I returned it within seven days. Got my full forty bucks back, and then bought another game used. Uh, played it before seven days was up. Returned it. Got my forty bucks back, and I kept doing that. I cycled through like five or six games. Nice. And maybe as far as eight games. Yeah, I'm thinking you can still do that. That's a, that's that's basically GameFly mm-hmm. for forty bucks. And then eventually I stuck with the game and I, that I wanted to keep at the end. Yeah, of your row. your blockbuster. Yeah. And uh, and then the middle of that run was Witcher two, and I just like I got maybe four hours into it, and I'm just like there there became so many different like buttons. And that I was like, man, this is a PC game. Like it was at least at the time I was playing Witcher 2, I was like, this is, this needs to be mapped out for the PC, like for like number keys and whatnot. Cause it just felt like I had so many different things that I could press. And for whatever reason, little 14 year old Holden just was like, I, I'm not vibing with this, but maybe I, I I've heard, everyone loves Witcher 3. I, I think I can go back to it and give it a shot, but yeah, I mean, that was my idea is like, oh, I've never played this game. Um, it's damn near a game of the year. Um, it made CD Projekt Red, who CD Projekt Red is now today, um, is because of Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what the controls are for number two, because I feel like the controls in three are like pretty clean. Like you're, that's good. you're blocking with your sword, you have your roll, you have your dash, um, you have heavy attack, light attack, and then a scroll wheel for your spells and then your spells are just mapped to one button so like whatever spell you have up in your scroll wheel selected um you're gonna throw out and then the same scroll wheel has like your bombs and your and other shit in it so you just 
pick it on the scroll wheel and you get your, you know, you get your moment of slow motion where you're not going to get hit. Um, and you pick it and then you throw spells out like, right. I, th- I don't know why the scroll wheel was F me up at the time, but I, I mean, for, for me, it's like, I'll do my monster research and be like, this one's weak to this spell. And I'll be like, okay, then I just put that on and don't touch it after that. I don't, there's, I mean, there's some where you, you probably want to be bouncing between spells, I'm sure. Um, but for me, it was just like, uh, if I explain the game again, it's going into Witcher Lord. The Witchers are monster hunters and you go and you collect quests. It's just an open world RPG. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's your open world RPG. Um, what takes it further is it probably has the story writing similar to Red Dead Redemption. Um, all the characters are incredible. Uh, Gerald is one of the best, uh, protagonists ever. He's so witty and he's so, and he's just like, he's constantly bantering with whoever you're with on your quest. And those feet, the effing hot toes in the hot suds. I, I couldn't scrub them enough. Um, yeah, just the characters around him are very compelling. And it, it also has your like, um, What's what's the game? Um, Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect uh, dialogue. You okay, choose your dialogue. Options. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Paragon or Renegade kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can hurt people's feelings. Yeah, definitely. I don't. I don't really know. I think it. I think there are multiple endings. I haven't finished the game. Um, I'm definitely pretty deep in it, but I haven't like. I don't. I. This is my first time playing through it, so I. Don't, I don't know really how much of an effect it has on the game. I'm I'm assuming it does have a lot because I know I do know there is multiple endings. It's a long ass game. Did you? It, beat is, it? It, it do be a long ass game. Um, that's why I said it's 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 this uh kind of sweet spot between uh your Skyrim and your Red Dead Redemption Two. Honestly, we added added the Mass Effect dialogue choices. So yeah, here's why I'm on HowLongToBeat.com. Uh, main story, 51 hours. Um, I'll let you know the main story section of howtobeat.com is like if you just streamline the main story and you don't do anything else. No side quests, nothing else. Never veering off the main path. Main plus extras, which is like doing some side quests and stuff. Not Still not doing everything, but just like doing stuff as they come, side quests. 80 to 90. 102 hours. <laughs> Completionist, 172 hours. So to complete every single thing. Like that, oof. That, that uh, that's i'm telling you right now if i'm playing a game like this i'm playing persona 5 i'm not gonna be playing Witcher yeah. 3 so that's that's the thought yeah. in my head is like when i beat persona 5 that i have in my catalog on my playstation then i'll move to Witcher 3 so that's my hesitation for yes it. so in my brain i have a list of uh games that i'm just going to be replaying when i am old and you know, when I, right as soon as I start losing my um, cognitive and you know mental function, I'm gonna be like, okay, bring bring me my PS4 and sit me in front of it. I'm gonna play these games. Um, Witcher Three was on that list, and I ended up just getting some free time this month to be like, oh, I can just play it right now if I wanted to, and that's what I did. And yeah, it, I, I'm, that makes sense. I'm glad that I picked it up and played it now rather than when I'm old, um, just because it's it it is a very specific experience. I can't be like, like, I can say it's like this and like that, but like it is its own game as well. 
because the uh, the whole part of hunting these cryptids and meeting these characters and collecting quests is 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 the is the entertaining part about Witcher Three: The Hunt, um, and it being kind of an an older game, and I can just sit with it and appreciate it for what it is. It had me had me literally at a at a ninety, ninety out of one hundred. Nice man, I'm glad you uh, delved deep into the the Witcher lore and found yourself as a, a little witchy boy this month. Yeah, dude. I, if 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 it was an option, I would definitely be a witcher. It's definitely a a, a cool, cool guy, uh, destructive lifestyle. You know what I mean. But I'm also a little pissed that you're not hitting me up for Guilty Gear Strive when you have so much PlayStation time. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Did you did you buy the DLC character yet? No, but it looks interesting. <laughs> He's a big boy. Bingo Bongo Board Gameo. Uh, I'm going to be talking about a little card game known as Maskmen. I haven't played that with you yet, have I? Nope. Maskmen is a card shedding game, so it's akin to Uno. Um, and it's also... Um, I guess, so in Uno, the cards that you shed out of your hand have to match the color or the number, right? Those, are the, those are, That's the hierarchy that's, a, that's established. It's pretty established. The interesting thing about Maskmen is there's six different suits, so six different... Mm. Six different uh, luchador masks, and it's not pre-established. So as you play the game, you establish the hierarchy each round. Nice. And it's played over four seasons, and um, each season can you set up a new hierarchy. And so it's you always play in ascending order. So it's like there's blue mask, red mask, whatever. So if blue, if somehow it's established that blue mask is the lowest, then someone has to one up it by by doing red mask. And to establish that something is stronger, you just play one more. So the very first person on the very first round will play one blue mask, and the next person has to play two of something that's not blue. So they play two red masks. So now we know red is stronger than blue. And then the third person, they have to play three of something. So if they have three gray masks, they can put that down. Then now we know gray is stronger than red and blue. That's the hierarchy. That's the hierarchy. However, three is the max you can play, so people can't keep one upping, and you can't Mm -hmm. play four, you can't play five. So that would be the end of that, and that's the person who last played goes again. And so the person who played those three cards, they get to go again. They can play... Any number of any card that's already been established, so they can play any red, blue, or gray already. Like they can put down three blue if they wanted, or they can play one of a new card. So like there's like a pink. Like they can they can try to establish the relationship between pink ones. So then you have these little tokens. They're the kind of like showing the hierarchy and like it's almost like if then statements. So it's like it's like I know that gray is stronger than pink, but we don't know where it falls in with its relationship to blue or, or whatnot. And so it's like you got like little like totem poles almost of these little masks. The art's really simple. There's no numbers on it. This game is universal. It's super simple, but it's a little abstract. And that's why I like it, because it's different. It's a card shedding game with a twist, because you're establishing that that establishing strength is everything. And I love that it's themed off of luchadors, because I've been like totally obsessed with them in this past like couple months. I've been watching like luchador fights on YouTube, <laughs> like just because I can't get enough of that style. And like Do you have a favorite fighter? All time. I mean, what you've been watching? Um, there's a there was a uh, a series called uh, Luchador Lucha Underground. It was like an actual TV show. It had like seasons and everything. And there was a, a, a fighter named Puma, and I love his design. Like he's got had a great mask. <laughs> like I, there's some people who like cover their lips 
and like cover their eyes like with their masks like their like designs and it's just like it's really off-putting like i love the traditional style of like big thick lips coming out from the mouth hole your eyes like piercing at like a like slit just like santo like the original like og of like luchador cinema santo and um i watched nacho libre on my birthday and like watching ramses who's like um an actual like was an actual luchador yeah, was an actual uh, lucha wrestler rest in peace um he died yeah he died on the ring crazy Bro, they, where's the 30 for 30 for freaking ramses yeah he was he's he was a great luchador super fit but i love him in nacho libre his character is like such a great heel and so it works so well like the 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 scenes of like him being oiled up are so great i might talk about nacho libre another day but um, back to Maskman, I've been on a kick with uh, Luchador and, and the whole Lucha Libre concept. And so, like, this game was so perfect. I found it at the Gaming Goat. It is a little pricey, but it comes with, like, these nice little, like, cardboard tokens. It comes with a full deck. Uh, and, it, and it comes like, in a little, like, it's, it's a Japanese-made game. And they all are in the same exact size boxes. So if you got, like, six of them, you could, like, display them. And they're all, like, different card games with, like, different little tokens. Um, very cute, very quaint, very minimalistic art. And uh, I'm, I give Massman an 86. I think it's a near perfect warm up game. Like you could play it with any group of people. It plays up to six players, which was huge because nice. most don't most games don't play up to six players. And so that was huge. So I was able to crack it out. I cracked it out like four or five different times with just different groups. Like I played it, with three players, two players. Crack it out with me, Doug. Dude, we get two player it up. Like <laughs> it, it's very very solid. Great warm up game. Really quick to play. You know, uh, season. A season will take like less than 10 minutes. So you have like maybe five, seven minute seasons. You do that four times. You're all warmed up, ready to go. Your brains are thinking. You're thinking abstractively. You're figuring out how you want to shed your cards. If you get first place, you get two points. If you get second place at shedding your cards, you get one point. And if you're the last person to shed all your cards, you get negative one. So you play four seasons. Whoever has the most points wins. As simple as that. In and out. In and out. All right, now let's talk about the Witcher card game that exists as a uh, standalone game outside of in the game, but it's in the game as well. It's the game known as Gwent. Knowing that, it's like it, it's pretty interesting when you're playing Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt because sometimes some rewards include uh, Gwent cards. That's so stupid, <laughs> but it, it, it is kind of it's cool and stupid at the same it, time. Yeah, I, I find it cool because you can play Gwent against like ais in the game and you get like rewards for yeah, winning you can get coin and you know you whatever you know you can it's just a a, a side game like in red dead redemption you can play poker, poker. you yeah. can just randomly play yeah. poker wherever whenever when you see it on the side of the road but poker is a game of chance whereas like gwent is actually like i i've i've played a lot of gwent believe it or not believe and, it or not and uh, i do like gwent it's kind of cool like the, the lines and yeah. like the different like lineups but um but that game almost plays more like a Hearthstone. You almost exactly. plays like a LCG rather than like a something of chance. You know. Yeah, and I, I I liked it because I ended up semi. I I was using cards over and over again in, you know, The Witcher. Like you build your own deck, and you take it to each Gwent game. And uh, in The Witcher, like I had a few cards that I liked using. I I mean I only played it in The Witcher hunt a few times. I didn't play it a bunch. But uh, I it, I played it enough to download the mobile version, and that's what I ended yeah. up playing mostly on. Um, I wonder yeah. if a real I wonder if this game really exists. Like, 
with physical, physical cards. cards. I think it would be great if it did. I, I think that obviously the trouble of it would be having they have such a huge library of cards and decks you can make that it would be um, almost impossible to print a good amount of all of them. Yeah, you just need like a mat, like a like a playing mat, and yeah. then and then you could make it happen. But yeah, 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 they would. I don't know why CJ Project Red is not making money off of like selling packs or whatever. Oh yeah, I mean people would be all over that. People absolutely would. Um, but like like he said, it's it's very Hearthstone like. You get your you get your deck and you get uh, cards that relate to each other on on the uh, on the field. Um, on the field itself, you have two lines. Or three lines. They have. So they do they have two lines in that mobile version? Is that what I don't I'm, remember. Is that what I, I, remember? I thought it was three, but it's basically like a imagine like warriors going into battle. Yeah, you right? have your you have your melee, you have your archers, and then you have your artillery. Yeah, that so, sounds about right. So you have those you have those three range of characters. Each uh, card is gonna fit in one of those three categories. And or they might fit in two. They might you might be they might have different effects if you play them in a certain line. Um, but the the other reason I I ended up liking it because it's they're they feel a lot quicker and it feels a little bit more streamlined to me than a Hearthstone ever was. Legend of Runeterra, man, that's my that's my go to right now. Yeah, I feel like I might we I might need to go back to Legend of Runeterra and play more of that because I think I'm. As far as cards and interesting cards, I think Legend of Ruterra had a little bit more uh, meat to it. Whereas, yeah. like, you get, oh, this is a Geralt card, this is a whatever card. And, right, right. That, you know, that's, that's kind of how, um, there's a game called Teppin, which is a uh, Capcom, mm-hmm. uh, it's a real-time card game, meaning when you place down a card, a, like, meter starts, like, pressing forwards towards them, and then once, like, it all the way reaches your opponent, that's when it does its attack. So, it's, like... It, it's different, but like the cards you're playing are not interesting. Yeah, and I, I could just be not building a good enough deck or a wide enough deck, which is which is totally fine. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm just using beginner decks anyway. Right. right. Um, just because I'm not playing enough to open a bunch of rewards. Um, but other than that, like it's it's it, it's a solid like mobile card game. I I think, like I said, I'd probably play Legends of Runeterra more. Um, but Gwent is solid, and I'd probably will never download hearthstone again if that's the hierarchy yeah 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 i, I think hearthstone just become too cumbersome i'm 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 willing to put that away forever as well i um, also i also like the fact for gwent you draw 10 cards right you get you get to switch two of them out and then you have those 10 cards for three rounds right so, that was that was a different thing too it's not like you keep continuously drawing yeah, you're not c- continuously drawing um you can get cards that give you more or you know you can there's different things you can do with different cards, so you're not exactly uh, stuck with those ten cards. But um, for the most part, you want to for it goes for three rounds, best of three. Um, you are pretty much you use those cards, and you can't continuously draw. So whatever you have used, you can't use again in the in the next round. So you end up it's it's cool because you will. Most of the time, you just throw your first round. If if the other person has some great first round cards, you might just pass because you want to save your good cards for rounds two and three. And I I, I loved that aspect, and I it was nice to like when when you receive like good cards in your hand, you're like nice. I got round one easily. I got round one easily. Or you'd re, you'd pull your cards and be like, dang, I lost round one. Hopefully these cards make it up in two and three. 
Right, right. So that's that's where it's like um, it, it differentiates itself and shines. Yeah, some real push and pull. Overall, I think I want to uh, drop uh, Gwent, the board game, the the mobile card game, a seventy eight. It was good. It was fun. Probably, you know, it'll probably stay on my phone. Maybe if I'm booping or something, I'll pick it back up and maybe try to make a legit deck with it and look at some uh, actual deck builds that are that are good. I don't, I don't know how big the Gwent community, community is right now. I know it has it, it just has like a steady following, I guess. Where's my Gwenties at? Where my Gwents at? My Gwent Gwentomalus. Um, so I don't know how how well it would be for me to just Google good Gwent decks. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested in the, at least making one, creating one, and playing with one. Gwent decks nearby me. Big fat Gwent decks. Yeah, I feel like that's a good good rating. I'll uh, I'll probably drop something like seventy two around there from the time that I spent there. So, I'm right there with you. So in the comic book world, I'm committing the cardinal sin that I said I wouldn't do. I'm going to talk about another Kickstarter comic. I looked up online. Um, no, this Kickstarter did not make it into shelves. You cannot buy this. So sorry, this is what I read. Um, it's called Isun Boshi, which is actually the reason why I want to talk about it is because it's not an original tale. It's a old like Japanese folklore about a um, one-inch samurai. So. Basically, it's about a boy who was only uh, born and, and grew to the size of one inch. But everyone else around him is normal size. Uh, in this adaptation, he's six inches, so he's a little bit taller. But think of him almost like Ant-Man. You know how Ant-Man's like super strong? He has like the power of like an ant, mm. you know, a hundred times their weight or whatever. I, I think that's like a myth, that but... but folklore versus myth? You really gonna you really gonna get in the minutiae no, about the, this? No, the things about the ants. Oh, I know. I that's true. They they literally can. Don't you see like the stuff that they carry? Right, like a a corner of a leaf. No, bro. Compared to their body size. Yes, compared to how much they weigh, they can. Like, I, I understand 100. that. Yeah, and so that's why Ant Man's so strong. I think He's, maybe I think maybe it's over exaggerated. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to pull up? Do I have to Google this? Don't don't pull up anything, dude. Yeah, I know. I don't Talk to me about this book. Don't want to embarrass your ass. Um, so Isambushi is uh, really cool. It's, it, it, the art style is like, it really reminds me a lot of Mulan. I think it should be adapted into a Disney movie. Um, the Even the villain is like cartoony. It's a black and white um, comic book. It's like a graphic novel that um, features traditional like Edo period Japan type stuff. And it, it's a quick read. It's not a very long book. I, I finished it in like an hour. Um it's got a lot of really cool uh, like themes with crows and with uh yeah i just wanted to show them that i, I totally switched to a, a disney image of a tiny man being carried by a crow yeah they're all like disney images it is very much like mulan disney um he gets trained up to be a samurai it's the original folklore tale is about a a boy who uh grows up on a farm and then basically his because of his stature he's kind of been cursed and he has some connection to an oni which is like a big demon and, the, and this story kind of adapts it as well um but basically his parents tell him that he's got uh, something else to to live for you know he's got something else some other reason to 
move on and uh he, he believes him and so that's why he becomes this samurai but he's always been kind of strong obviously um but in the in folklore there's some other versions where like his parents hated him and like cast him off and like there's been a lot of different retellings of Ethan Bushi but I got it on Kickstarter because I was like oh little people big world all Dead. for it little man carrying a freaking needle as yes. a samurai sword easily cop so I I uh, didn't quite didn't quite scratch that itch for me I was really hoping like it would have more relations with the world around him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's very much a big person's world you know there's a part where he's like flying an owl like that's kind of cool like yeah owl is your mount like that's cool but um and they, they do some stuff with his size but for the most part it's just like it, it, he's almost like a, a runt you know it's not like it, they don't really capitalize on the fact that he's an inch mm-hmm. or six inches or whatever you know he he'll you know he gets some good licks in you know some good punches be like oh I wasn't expecting that from someone of your stature but i don't know it, again it's it maybe a little more disney than i thought it was going to be um, but I, I will totally watch the movie adaptation and, and it brought this folklore into my mind. I'm going to give, uh, Isun Boshi a 74 out of 100. I think it was good. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, but they're just, it's too brief and it's like it, the montage section is two pages and then you're like, you're done training. I don't know. I just, it wasn't like super believable, but it was fun. Had a good time. I think it's a good story. Money well spent. Nice dude. Um, to round off, uh, my, uh, episode, we, uh, there's a few, uh, runs of some Dark Horse Witcher comics. Great. Which is not manga, by the way. They're just comics. <coughs> See what I'm getting at here? Are you done? I'm just, I'm just bringing this round circle. Just cause, you know, we clearly call those comics. We don't call those manga. Anyway, anyways, go ahead. Witcher. Fox Children, huh? Yeah, Witcher Fox Children. Um, there's a there's a there's a few um, different stories, and they're all just mini stories, little five issues, which are really cool, or you know, single graphic novels. Um, this one specifically, I thought it was it was pretty half decent. Um, like I said, the real draw of this is like it introduces these cool cryptid monsters that. Um, Geralt has to hunt or defend himself from or interacts with and that is the whole draw of this comic specifically um there's uh, a few more that I definitely want to read the stories are okay this one um it deals with this monster that um kidnaps elves elven children and transforms them into another version of the monster because the monster doesn't reproduce it just kidnaps children and transforms them um this one, uh, these whatever fur traders, uh, hunters kidnapped, uh, or killed the, uh, monster's child and is seeking revenge. And Geralt is kind of being their shepherd and leading them and kind of not wanting to, uh, let them die and not get killed himself. So, uh, instead of him going out on a hunt, he's the one being hunted. Kidnaps children and transforms them? Yeah. Sounds like Bishop Gorman's football coach, am I right? <laughs> a little inside a little, uh, Vegas joke for you. Good job, dude. Your um, locals. A so- solid reference that, you know, only a percentage of the audience will get. But uh, I guess our audience is pretty locally based as well. 
I've, I've seen some uh, German listeners on on my analytics. So shout out to shout out to our West EU fans. Say, say something in German for them. Ich bin Kinder. That's nice. I am children. Um, Igni. I don't know what that means. That's a that's a Witcher spell. Uh, is that in German? I don't know. I'd, Could be. I'm sure that's in Witcherin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, this this is a solid comic. I think it, it's Dark Horse, so it's like it's it's well drawn. Um, it's not. It doesn't break any comic book styles. It's it's pretty regular. I think there's a cover that the uh, the same artist that does Hellboy covers did a Witcher cover, and it looks pretty sick. But the actual comic itself is not in that art style. So they're they're all just pretty normal, and they're pretty all run of the mill comics. Um, he gets. That's like what's up. Igetsk. V gets. V gets. W I E G E H T S. V gets. V gets. Yeah, it's like what's up. What's up? V gets. Um, what's up for this comic? Um, we're gonna drop the uh, seventy-eight for it. It was good. I read through it and I was entertained. Um, I don't know if I would actually like go as far as my far on my way to like buy the whole set. Um, I think there's some Witcher fans that probably would. For me, they're just kind of run of the mill. They don't do anything too exciting besides uh, just rehash the same characters that I play the video game with and watch the shows of. Hunters being hunted sounds like the most dangerous game. The most dangerous game is man hunting man. Now this is podcasting. In the world of podcasts, I listen <laughs> to a great show known as Hello Hyrule. Which is uh, one of my uh, pals, Chris Babino. It's his podcast, uh, where it's almost like a they call it a travel log of um, Zelda games, and so they kind of feature it like, oh, if you're visiting this place or this dungeon or this thing, as they go through a Zelda mm. game, and of course, their first season essentially is going over Skyward Sword. So it has been a great companion piece to listen to their opinions, hear some like deeper lore, um, hear some fun facts about like each and every single level, and they're taking their time. At the end of each like little place that they visit, they give it like a rating, like uh, out of stars. And so they're like, oh, I'd give this like three and a half stars. And like, you should visit it and, you know, check it out. And it's a very fun uh, style to um, take an approach to the world of, of Zelda. And I like, I, how, I like how interactive that sounds while you play a video game. Yeah, it's definitely was a weird experience. Like, I would like play the level and then I'd go back and I'd listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wasn't doing them simultaneously. I've heard people doing that. I don't know if I could focus quite, but uh, I liked retroactively going back and listening to that episode because then I'd be like, "Oh, those are some you, cool." You pizza. bring your thoughts to their thoughts, right? Right, and I, and I know what they're talking about too. And they're like, "Oh, that's that villain. Oh, interesting. That that's oh, I like." There's these little creatures in Skyward Sword, known uh, as magmas, and they're like little mole people. They've got like arms, like long, lanky arms. It's very bizarre. But they're like, "Yeah, this is the first time they make an appearance." And I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know that." And then they said it was also the last, and I was like, "Oh, that's unfortunate." But they weren't big <laughs> magma fans. I I think I'm a, the only magma stand out here. But uh, Chris does a great job. He's got a a, a very good um, co-host. And uh, Chris's voice is kind of monotone and like has a good contrast and um, they got a good relationship. It reminds me a lot of our podcast because I don't listen to a lot of um, two people podcasts. Um, yeah, and so I'm, any, I'm same same way. Most most are at least three or four. And yeah. so um, when I get a good two person one and hearing people bounce back and forth from each other and like hearing like them work off their chemistry, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I should add that to this podcast, you know. 
So I, I, I always appreciate that. But Hell Hyrule, I give like a 90. I think it's like a, a really good idea. Executed super well. Um, I don't know if I'm going to follow whatever their next game is. They're still not done with Skyward Sword, so I'll, I'll listen to all the Skyward Sword stuff. Um, but when they move to the next one, I don't know if I'll have the sustainability and follow along. But I do want to play a lot of the um, other Legend of Zelda games that I haven't touched. So if they if they even go back to like something like... Um, a link between worlds. Maybe I'll do something like that. I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll follow along with that. Wind Waker. Yeah, I don't know if I'll do Wind Waker. I I want to play it, but where do I play it? You know what I mean? You play Wind Waker on the Switch? No, you can't. You can't? No, there that's, isn't. That's Wii U. That's Wii U, and that's there's like it's a lot of a lot of Zelda games are hard stuck in places like Phantom Hourglass. I want to play, it, but that's stuck on the DS. Same thing with Spirit Tracks. Um, I feel like I've played something of Wind Waker somewhere. GameCube and Wii U, that's it. Like Majora's Mask is hard stuck on is either. It, the, isn't it on the? Uh, is it on a DS? No, the only 3DS games that are, that got ported were Ocarina of Time and uh, Majora's Mask are both on the on the 3DS. But otherwise, it's like so. There's like a lot of stuff that's difficult to play. So it's like ah, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to play that. But if they do Minish Cap, I'm currently playing through Minish Cap because that's one of my all-time favorites. But that's more of an obscure one, so I doubt they'll do that. But very fun podcast. If you're playing through Skyward Sword right now, totally picks on a pick up listen up uh to hyrule pick it up to your ear hello hyrule which is found on any of your podcasting services um as i've been listening i've uh recently uh, got a new job so my my listening has gone down in podcasts um, but you could totally your your job acquires one year in one year out and you could totally listen to a podcast your entire shift so i don't know what yeah you're doing. um it's more of like I think I'm just not listening to it more because I'm focusing more on whatever I'm doing. Um, but I, yeah, I, I mean, admittedly, I can totally listen to uh, podcasts. Desk jobs. Um, but specifically, I, I picked up this one because it takes a lot less of my attention. Um, I've been listening to, I don't even know if you can call it a podcast. I've been listening to the Therapy Gecko. Is that on YouTube? Is that a, what it, it's on Spotify. It's on Twitch. I don't know if it's on YouTube. Therapy Gecko, does that like calming, soothing noises? Um, it's Meditation? It's this man, Lyle. He's dressed up as a gecko, and he takes uh, viewer calls. Okay. So he, has, he has a great episode, uh, actually decent episode of H3TV with Ethan, where they're both addressed as geckos, just taking calls. And that's all it is. He takes He takes viewer calls. Is that how you discovered him? Um, I discovered him through Instagram clips of him uh, taking calls. It, it's 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 literally that he's a he's a uh, untrained therapist and he takes random weirdos calls all all stream and um, it's been it's been pleasant to definitely put on in the background and it just kind of kind of been soothing and it it. it sparks enough interest in my head that I can w- listen to like a full stream of it um but it it doesn't cross over to like I'm 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 intently listening to this with all my heart and focusing yeah, I, on it I could see that cuz you could just go in and out you know what I mean yeah and you can there's it's totally uh like oh this caller is kind of boring i'm gonna skip ahead 30 seconds yeah. like uh, that, those are the best kind of podcasts honestly the ones that just uh, you can really a, a pure stream of conscious and if it when it gets interesting it gets there and you're you kind of get sucked into these people's stories um one of them one of the calls on 
the uh, crossover with H3H3. It was like this guy and he had um, his friend had left his mic open on Discord and then his two friends entered the Discord room and he was having phone sex with his girlfriend. Classic move. Classic hot mic on Discord. Um, but what ended up happening is... His friends this, recorded it. <laughs> they didn't record it. They, oh, damn. Uh, uh, Ethan and Lyle the Gecko um, urged the friend to call his other friend and admit to him on air of what happened. And you ended up getting this beautiful moment where both of these friends go through this embarrassing moment and become stronger, closer friends over over just the therapy gecko himself. Hmm. That's kind of precious. It is kind of precious. Um, I, I, I would recommend it for long car rides if you wanted to uh, maybe spark some conversations and interesting topics between people on a road trip. But other than that, I don't really know if this has a real podcasting space for a, a big audience to listen to. If you don't like Lyle and the gecko, then... Um, if you don't find any of his humor that funny, then I'd probably say this one's a miss for you. Um, I'm going to give it the 87. I, I, I've been enjoying my time with uh, the big Gek um, in the big suit. And I think, I'll, I think I'll continue to listen to him and put him in my rotation. Did you watch Donkey's video of, of Gek's the Gecko? Yeah. This sounds like a weekend with Jerry Garcia talking about <laughs> phone sex. Uh, yeah, it sounds interesting. I'll, I'll I'll probably give that a, a little peep. Yeah, I would I would say you know maybe find a compilation or a, uh, just watch some clips if you if you feel so inclined to do so. And if 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 it goes beyond that, then definitely check them out on Twitch or Spotify. A little bow peep. Uh, I'd also like to apologize if you've been hearing uh, passively in the background like a little like collar rattling. That's because it's the dog cast where we got a couple doggies in the room with us. So wherever the dog cast. Forever. Now is the time you've all been waiting for the little the little hint that I gave. Yeah, can we get a, a Donda intro soundbite intro for that? Which one do you want? Just Donda, Donda, Donda. That's precious. Um. I, I I I alluded to it earlier um, by not alluding to it at all. If you do not already know, um, my wife is expecting um, our first child. And if you do already know, then greetings. If Welcome. you didn't know, say congratulations in an email. Send a congratulatory email. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I need all the self-esteem booster I can get here. I know it's going to be a uh, wild ride for me. Uh, I bring this up and it's relevant to the music section because my uh, album that I chose came to me in a very poignant way. So I've been listening to this artist known as Japanese Breakfast. Um, she has I, she she's a solo artist uh, with a group uh, that kind of you know coordinates with her, um, but she's got a very eclectic style and like from the other stuff that I've heard of hers, it's been very, um, I want to say disorderly dissonant, like the, the type of like disorientating, disorientating. Um, her name is Michelle Zahner. Um, but everyone just knows her as Japanese breakfast. Um, she, she just, you know, I've always enjoyed her music, but this specific album, once you pick it up it's so like, 
full of hope and full of life that like her other stuff isn't it's crazy i'm, I'm gonna read to you what her um spotify bio says from the moment she began writing her new album she knew that she wanted to call it jubilee after all a jubilee is a celebration of the passage of time a festival to usher in the hope of a new area in brilliant technicolor japanese breakfast's first two albums garnered acclaim for the way they grappled with anguish um yada yada I talked about her grief from her mother's death you uh, use it as a conduit to explore the cosmos now at the start of a new decade japanese japanese breakfast is ready to fight for happiness an all too scarce resource in our seemingly crumbling world so that's a broken uh reading of that but essentially jubilee is like a new leaf for her and i have found it spectacular and i bring this full circle Jubilee is going to be the name of my daughter's middle name. So it's not going to be her first name, but her middle name is going to be Jubilee. Mm, so this came... Off of the uh, X-Men character. Off of the uh, Basking Robins flavor. Cherry Jubilee. Is that is that is that confirmed? Is that the lore? Yeah. The middle name is confirmed, but there's a lot of different reasons why Jubilee, but all, yeah. all of those included. This is another reason why Jubilee, because this nice. album is so spectacular. It's so like... It's it, essentially it's indie pop. I would call it. I would call it like indie pop, and with a, the hint of like indie pop rock. There's a, there's some like strings. There's some guitars. There's some there's some traditional like Japanese breakfast type stuff in there with some like uh, dissonant type music um, and some like twangy strings. But for the most part, it is just super uplifting, super catchy. And I've I have listened to this album like all the songs on this album a combined times of 150 times. Not not all the way through, but just each playthrough counting as one play. I've listened to 150 times this uh, songs on this album. 150 times you've clicked on this album and pressed play. Um, each each track counts as one of those times. So each each listen of a track. There's like okay. there's like 11 tracks I think. Uh, but I want to play for you my favorite song that I just get stuck in my head. It's called Be Sweet. And it's, I want to get like a little onesie or a shirt from my daughter to have Be Sweet on it because it's such a damn good song. All right, so here's 30 seconds of Be Sweet. That was "Be Sweet" by Japanese Breakfast. What did you uh, What did you think about that one? Um, you said indie pop, but there's a lot of there's a fat synth in there, bro. Yeah, like a clean mid '90s synth that kind of, and her voice is very far from like a an indie voice. Like she's just like a traditional singer. Okay, we could just say pop. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? I think it's just a, a really nice pop album. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some like other stuff on the album like this one's much more of a poppy type song um yes i I believe that dude that's super cool i'm for sure listening on the way home yeah jubilee is really really special to me like though there's she's got a song called slide tackle like (laughs) like 
there's there's a song where she talks about being someone's man like there's just so many like good thematic like parts of this song and like it's so brings so much hope and even like some of her like she has a song that's a little bit slower that um kind of like takes a while to like build but even that song is like I don't know it's it's almost like a rising sun you know it's not it's gradual like it brings it brings hope along the horizon it's not even like a lot the, the thing is a lot of her music in this album is played in the major chord and very little of it is played in the minor chord so you know it, it has that more pleasant sounding uh tone and whatnot but jubilee just really has pressed me yeah i love albums that can portray that energy in uh like a sincere way without it being like you know too commercial or you know just too too much um whenever it's sincere it's like it really opens my eyes to you know how much like dark music i listen to and how the majority of all music sort of has that you know minor key melodies that kind of make you think of harder harsher things remind Um, remind you of gary jewel's uh, mad world yeah all around me are familiar get copyrighted for that one dude that's pretty good i thank you and i bet you weren't expecting three different times me singing in one episode um i'm gonna give jubilee the the thick boy uh the 93 out of 100 i think it is a masterpiece of an album i think japanese breakfast is super good probably my album of the year right now just because it's so Mm. such a solid piece i've listened to it front and back so many times um i say back but i've never played the album in reverse so i've just listened to it front i listened to it front first to last a bunch of times and that's i love it yes i love albums that you can just play you know that you don't have to skip any tracks of course and just play like those are those are the best kinds of albums and of that's course, those kinds donda. of stuff we bring to the table <laughs> <laughs> you're not even going to be talking about donda in this episode that's the reason i'm bringing it up now is because i'm not going to talk about it next month either uh kanye west dropped a new album called donda it was, it was good. it's it's kind it's of good. fresh in my mind my real album of the month is gumbo pink saifu um pink saifu is their rap name it is their rap name what's the artist known as pink saifu formerly known as pink saifu or still He's current currently known as pink saifu um does he s-i-i-f-u have, does he have anything to do with Wuzu? genesis Wuzu. i honestly um would relate these two albums they're kind of their i don't know if this is uh pink saifu's breakout it looks I mean, like looks I'm, like he has older albums, but this is definitely his break. I would say. Yeah, he's got oof, he's got a lot of albums. Well, I don't know. Are these singles? They oh, say, he's got a lot of music. Say albums, yeah. They say albums. I'm clicking on them. They got like several tracks. Hmm. I don't I don't know what his role is, but he's got three, four, five, six. Seven. Here's where I count on the show. He's got eight different um, albums, this, and then this Gumbo's is the part of the show where we count. This is the the counting portion. Um, this is his ninth album, and his fourth album released this year. Hmm. So well, he's one of those. He's one of those. He's, he's just in he's, the stew, cooking he, all the time. He started producing music in 2016, and then in 2020, he dropped f- three albums. And then, yeah, this is his fourth album in 2021. So interesting. Speaking, speaking of being in the stew, cooking, um, this time we get gumbo out of it. And I really enjoy gumbo it it 
um, feels like um, the actual dish gumbo. It feels like a kind of a, a homage to the Southern rap and sort of the psychedelic rap uh, of like, a, I don't know, like a AT aliens or something like that. It, mm. it definitely has some cool uh, heady feel like Genesis Owusu would where you're kind of thinking and, definitely has some experimental usage of his voice and different uh, tones and instruments used, but it all just kind of relates back to Southern rap and has a good, uh, good feel to it. A, a solid just rap album of the month. I didn't, I didn't want to go try to break anybody's brains or anything like that. This is just kind of what popped up and I listened to a lot of, uh, born in Alabama. Um, also interesting. You said breaking his brains cause you know, somebody like gave me feedback on the show and they were like, yeah, sometimes Dira gets too philosophical with his music, and I'm like, yeah, he's not that. Mm, he's not that giga brain. I think his, I think I do listen to some higher brow stuff, but I don't say myself. But it's all it's all relatable. Yeah, I feel like it's all relatable to the regular person. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so what what track from Gumbo are we gonna be listening to today? Um, I think I want to try and run this. FK, you mean hold me down. So, we are going to be listening to, it's two tracks, right? It's, two tracks in one. It's a little bit of a double double header, yeah. It's a double header. So, FK You Mean, forward slash, Hold Me Down, by Pink Sifu, featuring Last Name David. Sure. Let's run it. I was raised by country niggas, shaking it by any man. Talking brush with the scrap, fried chicken and collard greens. All about paper, white man hater. Smoke a spliff in their face, my gold teeth blanket. Thought me shadow dancing, we can talk advances. That soul beating, that sun beaming, nigga, we still breathing, taking chances. Reparations, chasing acres to be laughing at your bitch ass. What you mean? Hold me down, Pink Saifu. Uh, it turns out his real name, Pink Saifu, is Livingston Matthews. Solid name. Yeah, sounds like a like a butler to me. Like Livingston Matthews, please come hither and produce this album for me and for others this year, please and thank you. Yeah, first name Livingston basically means you're gonna have a childhood nickname that you that everyone just calls you. You know what I mean? Um, during the 2010s, it says he released a total of 46 EPs, albums, and mixtapes throughout the decade. Dude is crazy. Uh, yeah, he he lives in this stew. Um, this track, I, I'm not really sure even why I chose that track. I think it's because I didn't have one off the top of my head. But I still think it it equally um, showed all the good things about Pink Saifu. Whereas the first half is like it's kind of raw and kind of mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it the whole track itself. It's interesting because all the vocals are kind of echoed in the background, um, and then. Hold Me Down has this like beautiful piano over it, um, just guiding you the whole way. And the same thing, it's just like hold you down in the background and over over this gorgeous melody, and you you're just vibing. Yeah, it's interesting because I thought you handpicked this one out for me. Um, I don't think I did this time. Yeah, I I say that because um, the stand up bass is like such a good draw for me. Yeah. Like, 
I, I you know I love my jazz rap. So anytime you have like any kind of jazz infusion into rap, like it's just it's such a beautiful harmony of of these two different like cultures that are one and the same almost. It's and so that stand up bass just really rocked on like rapping on top of that. So yeah, I think I I knew that it had the um, big piano bridge, and I was like, oh, he will respect the piano bridge. And from that on, and then then on, I was like, oh yeah, this song does have like a minute of just people talking, and it's not very entertaining. Yeah, it it is it does kind of fade out, but that's commonplace. And then when you have um, produced probably five hundred songs in a decade, um, <laughs> you you probably just want to do weird stuff into into the next decade. So, yeah, I I liked it. I think I I would give this album another. Uh, a full listen through if this is the highlight in his breakthrough because he only has like a hundred thousand like listeners on monthly reoccurring ones on spotify so that that's that's my edification that uh he's not super popular yeah it's pretty low i would say pretty low uh investment i think it, it was just rap is my you know go-to genre and genre this is a kind of fresh, I I believe. I don't know. Genre. How, genre. Genre. It, that's how Alex Trebek pronounced it. Genre. And this famous genre. <laughs> Rest in peace, the goat, man. The goat. Um, and it, I think this is just kind of fresh uh, in the in the wheelhouse of hip-hop rap, and it made it to my my Spotify, and I threw it on and couldn't, gave it a, couldn't put it down, per se. Couldn't put it down. Now let's put up a rating. 82 out of 100. 82. The greatest Solid two. album. Uh, it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, intellectually break your mind. It's not going to break the bank listening to it either. No. It's on Spotify. 10 bucks a month. 10, 10 bones. And you can listen to it. The Waste Cap. Uh, okay, this is the waste cap, the time of the show where we recap something that our fellow compatriot, fellow uh, brothers, wasted their time on in the past month, and we waste cap it. We re wasted the time. Because I realize we don't explain the waste cap, so this is my explanation of it. So we just, if, if you didn't listen to last month's, here's a little peek at what you're missing out on. Uh, I'm reviewing uh, Keynotes, which is a podcast that D-Rai reviewed last month. Um, it is from our boy... Cole Kushner. Cole Kushner, Mr. Monotone himself, as I described him. Uh, he's going over different like themes, um, kind of 20,000 hertz-esque, uh, but in music. Except I say themes loosely... Because he's just doing music theory. It's just another yeah, music Yeah, it's just another album. another reason for him to explain music theory. So, but yeah, he can do more epistolic type stuff, which is cool. So I listened to the James Bond episode, which was excellent. Mm. I love the James Bond episode. He goes into different thematic elements and different moments in like what makes a James Bond theme and like what was the origins? Where is it going? Like what's up with Adele's? What's up? Like what, what are some like almost like Easter eggs within the song? Like what's up with this new Billie Eilish version. And I really enjoy that because that gave me a lot of appreciation and he should do more stuff with film because the next episode I listened to was how the F do you clap along to Radiohead's blank music. And I'm, I'm a very 
casual casual radiohead fan like i was like yeah i like their stuff but like you know okay computer and um, i would love to see him do an episode on beverly hills cop kid a that would be interesting um but his like breakdown of like 16th notes and of like super in-depth music theory had me straight yeah what was the what was the the type of song called where it's like a throwaway song where it, it never it it's a song that never loops yeah because he, he was kind of trying to bring up the fact that the song had like three or four different measures going on at the same time mm-hmm. and like so it's like hard to stay on beat or on rhythm like clapping along because it's like it you, changes it when as soon as you settle into a, a time scale it changes and radiohead's great don't get me wrong i just um I don't know. I just had a really difficult yeah, time. Yeah, he he was saying episode. like his his favorite band is Radiohead. I find I find people that say their favorite band Radiohead insufferable. <laughs> yeah, and he's his monotoneness was at all time high here because I just felt like he he like read the Reddit post because the whole idea it was a Reddit post. It was like how the f do you clap along to a song? And he's like, I read this Reddit post earlier today, and I'm going to explain to you why this is the way that it is. Radiohead has a fifth of a, you know, it's just like that. There is no emotion. And like, if it, like even when he's explaining, I may have created this show as just another excuse to talk about Radiohead. So this is the second episode I'm featuring Radiohead. Bear with me now. Like just, just no inflection whatsoever. Like he's got a super great speaking voice, like reading voice, I guess for like reading a script and like his music theory stuff is on point, but like Man, the monotone has got to me, and I like his stuff too. And I Speak, think speaking the of is great. Uh, podcasts that are good with two hosts, he kind of desperately needs a second host. I he needs someone to bounce off of, and he I think needs someone. I think get him out of scripted stuff. I think I, I, I don't know he if knows, I he knows so much. Yeah, I don't know if I hate. Yeah, him and an average Joe would be like the greatest music podcast ever. It would be so fun, just like somebody who's like. Someone I like this song because it makes me feel good. And he's like, this is why it makes you feel good. Right. And him being, him having that excitement would be awesome. Like to, te- casu- to teach somebody live over, over a podcast. The Casual Joe's favorite band is LMFAO. And like, him <laughs> like, <laughs> and him like. <laughs> Radiohead is such a better favorite band than LMFAO. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, that's his favorite band. And so then he's like, okay, yeah, I can understand that. Or like Blink-182 or something like yeah, that's yeah. just dated for no reason. Just something super normy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that would, that would be a lot better. I agree. He just needs one more. And like, just, just get out of his own head. Cause it's literally, he's speaking. Right, his yeah. Thoughts. Writes a script and then records it. Sure. If you, if you want it to be like unnatural, you can write a script, but I think two people scripted podcasts are not bad. It's, it's not bad to bounce off each other, but I think unscripted two people is better. Of course. Yeah. Cause then, then they can really go off each other and then they can get live reactions and you can like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like him explaining to some average schmo, why his why his taste of music is good or bad would be would be cool. Yeah, he couldn't he couldn't do callers. I feel like it would be too rough just listening to him talk to callers. But like somebody who had like a, some ambiance, who has uh, listened to a lot of bad music. I give uh, keynotes a seventy nine. Like I said, that James Bond episode rocked my socks. I loved hearing about that. I wanted more of that kind of stuff. It's pretty new show. It's only got like a few episodes released already. So I'm I'm gonna peek back in every once in a while and find yeah, it's, a, a, like it's a definitely good episode a, for me. Definitely, uh, uh, if if you see an episode that interests you, I'd pick it. If if I wouldn't try to go into blind, 
um because you'll you'll get eaten up real quick i mean that's the same way i listen to his other seasons of uh dissect it's like if i don't Uh, like if i don't like that if if i don't like the uh the artist that he's breaking down then i'm just not gonna listen to it so i created a, a, a curated rather than curated, curated exactly. I curated a playlist that I spoke into existence last uh, episode. Um, and this was, I think I gave it the name. Um, I didn't, so I ended up naming it essential sparks, but I, I, I thought about naming it um, intro to sparks. And so basically it's, it's it like, is, a, it is an intro to sparks. It is like by definition, but essential sparks is what I named it. Nobody emailed us asking for it, but if you're still interested, <laughs> it the, still exists. It still exists. So just email in, and I'll send not you going the, anywhere. Send you the playlist. Um, it's what like 75, 80 songs, um, out of their like nearly 400 song catalog, and it's just the best of the best. And I and I even made it in chronological order, so mm-hmm. it's from oldest to most new stuff. Were you able to get through the entire playlist? I think I I think I it's five and a half hours long, so okay. it's kind of big. Kind of big. It is big. Yeah, for a playlist. Yeah, for a playlist. Um, I I think I threw to through front front to front to back this time, not back to front. Um, front to back. I think I made it through like once or twice. Nice, nice. Um, other than that, I if after those times, I was like, I'm just gonna shuffle it now because I yeah, want to. F- yeah, I kind of yeah. want to just find the songs, the few that I have hearted, n- in no particular order or. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Just, just we're like, oh, these ones are cool. Let me yeah. Hit this. What was cool, starting from the top, um, Wonder Girl. Yep. Nothing um, is sacred. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't have anything from this album. There's a weird. There's a weird in the middle. I, for whatever reason, I just didn't heart the songs. That's fine. Like I said, there's some, there's some good and bad albums. Yeah. As I um, pointed out. When I'm with you, when upstairs, with you. uh, cool places. Yeah, cool places. Cool places is great because in the documentary they talk about the girl who's on it and like how she was dating him at the time, and so yeah. then she got featured on the song. I wish I looked like a little, and then I can't read the rest of the song title. I think it was like I wish I was a little bit more handsome or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I wish I looked a little bit better. A little better. Yeah, I wish I looked a little better. Um, got some empty space here. When do I get to sing? My way. Oh yeah. When do I get to yeah. sing? My Such a good song. Way. And that's the only. That is the only good song on that album. Like the entire oh, album is so trash. Um, you put two of them on there. Oh, yeah. gratuitous sax. Gratuitous sax. Is like okay. 30 seconds. Yeah. It's just. It's kind of like a funny. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a knockoff. Of my baby's taking me home. Yeah, my, my baby's taking me home. It's like I married myself. Dick dick around. Yeah, a lot of their new stuff. Like it just has like such a different vibe, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I wish. You were fun. Yes. Oh yeah, I wish you were fun. Is such a great song. Um, where's the Where's the Beatles cover? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to include that one. I really like that one too. Yeah, That's that one, one was specifically track. for me. And I yeah, that one's specifically for you. But I also just like that. Um, I think is it with a little help from my friends? Maybe it's not. Um, but I I think it's just like I, I want to hold your hand. There you go. I want to hold your hand. I think their early stuff like definitely has super Beatles inspired. And so mm-hmm. I definitely thought that uh, cover was really poignant. And I was like, oh, okay. They really are kind of leaning into this. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it was just funny. Cause like, I want to hold your hand is a, is a, one of the 
great Beatles songs, and they totally just made it sound completely different. Yeah, it's so eighties, and it's like it, it. It's weird because it fits so incredibly well without like a. I don't think I don't even think there's a, a guitar on it. Yeah, there probably um, is. That's fine. Um. Yeah. Like as soon as it as soon as it came on, and I think I, the first real time I listened to it was in the shuffle, and I was like, oh, I don't, I, I can replay it so many times because like. It's like a song I already know, but I've never heard before. Right. And I was like, mm, so good. And then just like the overall, I think it's, I feel like their category is so, it's almost like show tuny and like, it's like they make, uh, soundtracks rather than like studio albums. Right. Cause they're so, the, the themes are so specific and they're so, uh, there's something about them that's each song is telling is about is, is so specific and telling a different story that I feel like it, the only way to actually relate these songs to anything is to visualize it in a show or movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I feel like, uh, that each, each song is its own little tale. Like the writing is so good. It's all like telling a certain story and it's like, it has bravado and flair and like, Man, you you even just mentioning my baby's taking me home like gave me chills just mm-hmm. thinking about it because like that song is so so hypnotic and beautiful and yeah yeah and you just like have to sing along to it or yeah. even like loop it a second time like you it's it's a it's necessary to enjoying the song. Um, um, but Essential Sparks playlist is a is an eighty eight. It's clearly an eighty eight. Um, curated, number curated by your boy, and you know it's so like. Anytime you, anytime anyone was like, I'm feeling listening to the 80s throwback real quick, just play Essential Sparks because they have such a differential in their genre that you're going to find a few songs that you like in the playlist or the other is, is just good enough to be on in the background. If you, if you like that throwback kind of style, just play Essential Sparks. Thanks, man. Yeah. By Holden Hints. I put a lot of time into that album and, uh, that I mean, it, over five hours at least. That, Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, handcrafted it, created it, produced all the music. Um, no, but that playlist is uh, a, a lot of fun. It's my, it's my little baby, so hit me up and I'll send it to you. Um, but I, I, I definitely feel like, you know, once you get that listened through, you kind of understand Spark so much better. And oh yeah, definitely. Going into clearly, like be, when you explained the Spark to me, I was like, oh, that's a cool band. I'm sure they're a cool band. And then listening to them, I'm like. Oh, these guys are like these guys make just good music every single time, but not every single time. But it's more of they have a huge category of good music that you yeah. that it's it is just hard to find the variety. All right, that's it for the show. Um, thanks for listening. Send us an email at how to waste your at gmail dot com. We appreciate our our, our faithful fans uh, sticking through this. We love you. I love you. And with that, Avida Zang. More German for them. Adios. Ciao. Rebello. Please silence your cell phones. Please silence your cell phones. Welcome to the How to Waste Your Time podcast. This is a show where... Cell phones must be silenced before entering the building. Please silence your cell phone. Be courteous to other podcast listeners. 
I'm going to gargle the national anthem. Ready? <clears throat> That's not bad. Got a little spit up though. Got a little splash. That's okay. Welcome to the splash zone. I literally said silence yourself. I did. Then what was that hell? Was that noise? I think I unsilenced it. That's what happened. I flipped the switch. I know I flipped the switch, but it was one silence and then you. It was already silenced. Yeah. And you went out of your way to unsilence it, huh? I went out of my way and unsilenced it, yeah. Okay.